Hey, this is Charles the Rock on a podcast, and I'm here to bring you another episode of the Giant Size Team Up Network, The Dating Game. Our first contestant, come on down, Amanda Mount. <laughs> All right, Amanda, are you excited? Uh, I, I'm, I'm doing fine. Thank, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited. Um, of course you are. All right, you got your questions ready to go. Just ask each one of our eligible very eligible bachelors a question and they will answer it for you and then at the end you have to pick who you want to hook up with yes i understand yes mm-hmm. all right take it away amanda all right uh, first question for uh, code name breaking the panel uh, what do you do for a living well i am pretty popular on the internet so what i do for a living is i go looking around for all kinds of magic cards and then I buy the ones that people are selling for too little, and then I take them, and then I sell them to stupid people that want to buy them for more money. And I just, step one, buy magic cards. Step two, sell magic cards. Step three, profit. In my spare time, I also do a podcast from now and then, and I also troll the internet. Wow, that sounds amazing. Uh, a botched podcast. Uh, how would you try to impress my parents? Well... I gotta say that I would challenge your father and mother to a drinking game. They can go two on one. I'll take them. I'll give a shit. I'll fuck them up. We'll do a keg stand. And then when we're done, we'll see who's drunker. I bet I win. Because if I was drunker, I'd do this. Oh, it looks like Tristan broke the chair again. Somebody get him a beanbag chair, for God's sakes. Um, right. Uh, Next contestant, Blazing Defender report. Uh, What are you looking for in a woman? Well, this is Travis Jones, the Blazing Defender Report. Travis, you're not supposed to tell him your name, you dumb fuck. Oh, sorry. This is not Travis Jones, the Blazing Defender Report. What, what, what am I looking for, a woman? I'm looking for a woman who also shares my love for Minotaur cum. I mean, I need somebody who wants to drink that warm, frothy milkshake with me. Do you think you could drink a whole keg of Minotaur cum? Because I know I fucking can. No, I don't know how much Minotaur cum I can drink, and I don't want to find out. Uh, next up is Toy Power. Uh, yeah, you've just been told you only have six months to live. What do you do with the time? Well, I tell you, I go right in that down under and I look for Willie the Wallaby. Who is Willie the Wallaby? Oh, he's a mystical wallaby. He lives amongst the Aborigines and the other poisonous boogums out there in the outback. They say if you can offer him uh, some sort of tie that he's into, then, you know, he'll kill you whatever ails you. So I'd probably take him, uh, I don't know, at least a $50 gift certificate to Outback Steakhouse because everyone knows that's pretty, uh, you know... Authentic Australian. They say those authentic Australian words on the TV commercials all the time. Okay, well, at least that's creative. Uh, Pokemon Go podcast. If we role-played, what would our characters be? Well, I can tell you right now that I would be dressed up as Ash, and I would dress you up as, uh... Yeah, I'm thinking of... I'm thinking of... I'm thinking of Swinub. Yeah, 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 Swinub. Yeah, and I'm gonna make you squeal for me. I'm gonna make you squeal. Wee! Wee! And then I'm gonna put you in a cage, and I'm gonna feed you berries. Because that's what I'm into. Alright, I'm legitimately terrified. Thank you. Uh, FTH Beyond, if, if you could change a mistake from when you were younger, what would it be? Well, that's sort of a tie. If I could go back and change two things, the first thing would be get a vasectomy when I was 12 years old, so I wouldn't have as many children as I currently do. The other mistake I would fix is joining the Giant Size Team Up Network. Probably the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life, but it's, again, a toss-up. Okay, well I guess that's it. Oh wait, there's one more here. It's written in crayon, it looks like. Uh, 
Rock God of Podcasting, uh, do you spend time on the internet? And what site is your favorite? Well, I'm telling you right now that I would go to www.giantsizeteamup.com all day, every day if I could, and just listen to Breaking the Panel and Pokemon Go Podcast and FTH Beyond only on Thursdays as much as I possibly can. And it's not on that website, but I also check out EMS Underground because you get a lot of really good information there. And then I'd probably also go to that Podcast Awards website and email that dick why I haven't won at least all the awards yet. What the fuck is that about? I'm Charles McFall, the Rock Hard Podcasting. Wait, weren't you? Wait, uh, weren't you just the announcer back here? Where did the announcer go? This is all—it's all a facade. I take the last option. What? There is no last option. No, there is one final option. Damn it! That's the third one this episode. People are gonna start to think this show's too predictable. Fuck! I blame you, Pokemon Joe. Always talking about wanting to fucking. Turn people into Pokemon and shit. God, unprofessional. These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. Welcome to Breaking the Panel, where we talk about everything that's awesome in the week and sometimes some of the stuff that's not. I'm the Rock Guy of Podcasting, Charles McFall, riding side saddle, if you will. The half of you, I wish I was, Paul Klotz. Hey, buddy. Hey, how you doing, man? You did you did a, a stream today that we're going to talk about later, didn't you? Yeah, well, I've been streaming a lot lately. Yeah, I did. Uh, you have, you have. Um, also coming along for right half the man, it used to be Philip P. Keating. Hi. <laughs> That's not being the man you used to be. Half oh, man. you're not cool anymore. That's right. Yeah, the alcoholic burnout side of me is now gone, and I'm successful. So. I don't know about that. <laughs> and the man who makes Twitch tremble every time he gets on and speaks, Kurt Putin. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> I love how he drops it an octave lower when we talk about how sexy his voice is. <laughs> great. Oh, man. How does that feel? <laughs> Well, when I sit on my subwoofer, it's like the scene from uh, uh, what's his face's movie? Private Parts. Thank you. You knew where I was going. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, God. The fucking grandpa cast today. (laughs) (laughs) Pre show, we had jokes about Coach. (laughs) Fucking movie that nobody cares about. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, who brought this? I didn't find this one. I'm, I'm curious. Phil. Phil has brought us a headline. That shocked me, honestly, because how much publicity has been getting. Christ has been crucified again, man. What happened? Never doubt the power of angry Christians. (laughs) Right. Now, look, we reported back a couple months ago that DC greenlit uh, Passion of the Christ 2, Electric Boogaloo, Christ is coming back, kicking ass and taking names feeding the homeless and he's got a superhero friend otherwise called second coming with a (laughs) c-u-m but that's besides the point so i was really gung-ho about this i was like this is fucking dope i need this book i need this book and god damn it did the fucking christian moms get a hundred hundred thousand fucking signatures and for once Ever in the world history of the world, a petition worked, and DC has pushed the boulder back in front of the cave 
for not three more days, <laughs> but forever. Good joke, Phil. Good joke. Nice one. Now, now, uh, Let's not forget that DC also makes Preacher, so they can they can take take away the second coming of Christ. Um, but I'm I'm just sad. I'm sad that we'll never see you know uh, Jesus riding a, a skateboard as he you know kick flips a, a burglar's head off or whatever they had planned for this. I told I was looking forward to it because I wanted to see where they went with the message and what they were because what the artist was saying about uh, how Christianity basically got it wrong and and that that fits in I, I'm a man of faith that fits in my view of religion of of they took something and twisted it into their own image. I wanted to see what he was gonna say about it and now I don't get to. Well yeah I agree. Um I didn't care about it for that fact. I thought it would just be hilarious. But, uh, you know, I'm a Catholic, so we've got other problems going on behind right. the scenes of my religion. But um, now I have a question that I really don't have the answer to, and it could be pretty, pretty obvious. Um, does DC own the rights of this or could he shop this around to, let's say, Image or Dark Horse or even self-publish on the Internet? That probably just depends on the contract he signed. Okay. Right? That would be yeah, hilarious I didn't know. if DC owned the rights to Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, you know, give it enough time, I'm sure Disney will acquire it at some point. <laughs> right? <laughs> at one point, does Disney just acquire every Christian denomination wholesale? Yeah. All of them. But, yep, unfortunately, uh, he will not rise again. Not in our lifetimes. Yeah. That- so, short story. Just wanted to... Uh, you know, lay out some truths about our Lord coming on our backs <laughs> again. Again. Wow! Now that 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 on there was the you sneezed at the snack bar and it didn't have the the shield up. Yeah, I don't wash my hands. Germs are not real. I can't see them. <laughs> uh, Phil, I know you are looking for a new source of income. Oh man, am I ever like? I've been donating blood, plasma, other fluids I find from people. <laughs> that you find? That you find. Yeah, I'm not going to donate my own blood or plasma. <laughs> How opposed are you to moving to, say, Illinois? Oh, boy. Uh, pretty, pretty hard no. Um, well, why? I, what do you have for me? I got you a free comic book store. You can oh. you can honest to God get a free comic book store to run everything there. The, the, the okay. The the, the 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 everything is there. I've got a few questions. Chimera Comics in Oaklawn is one of several comic books in in the city of Oaklawn, and uh, Chimera uh, himself, I guess his owner's name is Chimera. It looks like uh, yeah, Carmelo Chimera. Uh, it's his life's work. Uh, he owns two comic book stores, and he's a full time attorney who also writes graphic novels. Dude's got it all going. Uh, but he's got too much on his plate, so he's going to give the Oaklawn location away for free. So all you have to do is pay a $25 application fee. And and, and then all yeah. your debts are his. <laughs> <laughs> uh, answer Sounds one like question. Thing. Yeah, answer one question. What makes a good comic book store? Oh, man. You know, it's really the community that really makes a store thrive. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it, it's really not about, you know, pull lists or prices. It's really all about 
you, the people who come to. Why are you doing a Trump voice? It sounds like you're my Trump voice. <laughs> I got a Trump voice. I got to make comic communities great. You're going to see the greatest comic book walls you've ever seen. Poe list, 40 books high. You'll see. And you know what? You know Paul's, Paul's going to pay for it. Paul's <laughs> going to pay for all these pull lists. If Phil ran this store, he would have a public pull list that you can sign up on, but it'd be the shape of a penis. A huge from floor to ceiling penis that you'd have to write your pull stuff on. It's Yeah, probably. Yeah. What he's not telling you is that comic book store only has 40,000 copies of Youngblood from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so I, f- I feel like the actual, the winning answer to this, to this request has to be, I am willing to not roll my eyes at every dumb dick that walks into the store right. and starts talking to me about comic books for 45 minutes, 18 times a day. It's a community. So, uh, <laughs> cause, cause, uh, as someone who has run a card store, like a, a, an LGS, a local gaming store, uh, that we have similar you know similar folks similar strokes if you know what i mean that is the number one productivity killer when you are running a store like that is every dumb dick who walks in and wants to hold a 40-minute conversation about every little inane detail of like what they like about something that you carry Mm. yeah and it's not that i don't like to talk to people about that stuff but it's like people forget that you're like running a business by the sounds of it it's paul who doesn't like the community around him <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean the store is yours yeah <laughs> uh, here's the thing he says it's not a ra- it's merit based it's not a random drawing or a lottery he will read all the entries himself and it, the store itself has been running for six years and mm-hmm. been there so it's not like it's a new thing you have to work i mean but he does say you know you gotta understand small business isn't all rainbow and sunshine and and it sounds like possibly he might keep a hand in some of it. Uh, but here's a kicker, right? Uh, you can find the application on Camera Comics website. It closes February 28th or when 2,000 applications have been submitted. $25 a pop at 2,000 applications, 50 grand. Gets them right out of debt. Is what yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> this failing business is suddenly not a failing business. Well, that's a thing. And it's just like, I'm sure he tried selling this. Right? He had to. Nobody just gives a business away, especially if it's profitable. Well, here's the thing. I don't know that he's giving it away. True, well, true, true, true. Let's say the entire business. I'm going to give away the inventory fiction. Maybe he is. But there was another phrasing that said it sounded like he's basically hiring a manager. It it's kind of like so it could be. I don't know. I don't like know. a shitty marketing scheme. Yeah. To get yourself $50,000. Yeah. I'm only going to do it if I get 50. Come on. Bro, bro, bro. That is that 2000 is never happening. He could have 5000 applications and that 2000 it we're always going to be at like 1933. <laughs> oh man, we got five more applications today. Yeah. And then yeah, no. Uh, that that num- that that tank never fills, man. <laughs> like I wish they had no. a website clicker. Oh, it does. Holy yes. shit. It does have a clicker. <laughs> What the fuck, you dumb dick? <laughs> Wait, you wished for it and you got it. Now you call him a dumb dick. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, because I was being sarcastic. <laughs> so I can tell you that only 146 people have clicked this link to sign up for uh, for his shitty comic book store. Now, Klotz, if this was Ithaca, 
would you do it? Would you sign up and see if you could take this thing on? Well, first of all, I live in Utica, not Ithaca, but uh, it has a guy in it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I would not. Um, yeah. Let we've talked about this before. The comic shop is a failing business model. Yeah. Um, it is really, 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 really difficult to run a good store right now. Um, I think you have to have a lot of the. Uh, the perfect conditions like you have to have a really great location that where your your overhead is relatively low but your exposure to potential customers is really high which is like we're talking about like one in a million you know options in that regard uh you've got to get you have to have no competition in town that's the other thing um if you're in anything but a major metro area and there's another comic shop in town you're fucked um, because now you're splitting all of that potential, you know, customer base and everything, if not worse than splitting. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's brutal. We have, um, we've technically got two comic shops here in town in Utica, uh, one that's been established for like over 20 years and then another one that popped up in the last couple of years. But that other one, I don't even know if they're going to be around forever. The newer one, uh, I've seen them, they have a insane amount of collectibles like pops and stuff like that dude orders like basically wall to wall pops. But I, I went in there recently and like a lot of his inventory has changed dramatically. I, and I never see a lot of people in there. And so it's, yeah, it, any town that has more than one comic shop is just going to struggle. So yeah, there's, there's too many, you know what I mean? There's too many variables that could potentially lead to a shop like this completely just going bottoms up. And that's probably what he's facing. He, he probably has one location that's doing really well and is worth this time and another location that is not doing well because let's be real if okay so he's a lawyer by day but he also owns two shops like yes it's I do write graphic novels so it it should not be difficult to hire somebody to run your store right to hire a, a general manager and some support staff you know a couple part-timers or whatever if you have if you're bringing in enough revenue he can't be bringing up bringing in enough revenue you know what i mean there's just no way to to give it away like no especially like he's talking about the fixtures the product everything everything is going in this deal it's sunk cost at this point he's just like i'm fucked you know and he needs a way out so Maybe. um, maybe he's like actually some benevolent benefactor but i doubt it um Doing a quick Google search on the Googles, um, it looks like you can. There's ten shops in the the Oaklawn area. Ten oh, different so- shops that you can get comics from. You know, some are not full comic shops. You know, mm-hmm. but you have ten options out there. Well, of course, yeah. Well, that's the other thing is a lot of like if you've got a Barnes and Noble nearby. Yeah. They, carry, they carry most of the big books. They don't carry all the small stuff. Um, that's going to cut in on you. Not to mention that the, the big box retailers carrying all the collectibles that you would potentially stock, which is, you know, as much as people gripe about stuff like pop vinyl, that stuff has been selling and keeping a lot of these yeah. stores afloat for a while. Um, it actually is one of those products that came along at just the right time to probably keep a lot of comic shops and local game shops open when they wouldn't have otherwise. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's brutal, man. It's a brutal industry. I've worked in it before. Um, I don't wish it on my best friends. I don't wor- wish it on my worst enemies. It's a lot of a lot of grindy hours, 
uh, for not a lot of profit and not a lot of thank yous. The other thing so. is the population of Oaklawn is like less than 60,000 people. So it's a very small population to support that many books, so uh, less, bookstores that are selling comics. Yeah. Less than yeah. 60 grand people to have 10 places to go buy yeah. comics is insane. Now, see, something tells me that they must, must be close to other shit because I live uh, con- where I live is considered the outskirts of Metro Atlanta. We're in the suburbs of Atlanta. It's 30 minutes drive to the heart of the city. Um, and, and we're on the edges here in Atlanta. I think there are two, maybe three shops on the outskirts. You're lucky to find one. So that tells me if you got 10 open shops in that area, something's going on that does generate. Well, to be fair, Oakland is a suburb of Chicago. So yeah, it's okay. yeah, it's, it's a, it's a 40 minute drive into chicago that's about where i am roughly yeah yeah so that makes a little more but 10 man how that's crazy yeah and i'm sure that was like 10 in that radius that would probably encapsulate chicago and all that shit. well the the other thing about all this right if that if that store was greatly successful ain't no way he's giving it away yeah no He's got more than fifty thousand yeah. dollars worth of debt. Maybe. I mean, it's very possible. Now, if money were not an issue, I love the idea. If we were all geographically close to each other, of taking something like that on and having a place to record this show live, right to an audience, and let Klaus do the gaming part and Chris do the comic book part. Quit playing. You do it all the time, Phil. You, there's something fucking wrong with you. And if you want to know what I'm bitching about, you go to Patreon.com forward slash Breaking the Panel. <laughs> Because this dip shit. So you can watch Philip scratch his nipples in front of everyone. Yeah, in front of everyone. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, right? That'd be that's the cool idea of having a. Really, it's about our network and what we do, but we also can generate some income, otherwise. But the heart of it is not to sell comics; is to let us do what we do. Kind of so, like. Well, that's been done. Like uh, you know, a couple of other. Uh, yeah. Like Nerdist, for example, they bought a building in LA where they have their, a couple of recording studios. I think they have two in there where they record podcasts. They also, I think, have a storefront downstairs, and I think it's like a nerd and odd. No, is it dead? The meltdown closed two years ago. Holy shit! Yeah, I'm, I'm out of date on it. Yep. But the, it well, that tells you something. Then, if that can't thrive, then yeah, it was yeah. a live venue, a comic shop, a recording studio. Yep. And uh, they just couldn't keep it afloat. I think it was more to do with permits than anything else. Okay. Like they lost uh, fire permits or, you know, the ability to have the live stage in there, which is where all the revenue was really coming from. But yeah, they closed a couple of years back. Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to talk about certain ideas on air because I think they're legit and we can make something. Happen. Oh, no, I, what I'm saying. Is- I think we could easily do something with something it- like that. You you have to pretty much you pretty much have to find the perfect location in an area like I said with with the traffic and everything, mm-hmm. and if if you could buy a building that had sufficient space, you could run a lot of business out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I I do think that's going to be the path of the future. Your local your local comic store. This is already happening. So I've talked about this in the past. Your local comic store is quickly becoming the local gaming store as well. That's been happening for years. I think you're going to see more of that. Um, you're going to see the collectibles thing still be a big thing as long as there's a, a, you know, a supply line open to a small business like that to be able to order that stuff direct. Um, They're going to, you're going to have to double up. You're going to have to hit 
multiple, you know, submarkets in order to be a thriving business nowadays. But we see that in all in all of these kind of niche uh, yeah. type businesses. I mean, up here we've got a, a basically a, a booze and board games type type place down where we were for Dragon Con. There's the barcades. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. those combinations because doing it as is a very single vertical. Uh, store is just difficult yep and, and that is uh what you just talked about the barcades thing um doing having a space where you can serve food and or drinks along with selling all the products that you want to sell is probably the best possible scenario get it but, in the right state you need a dispensary too but like because it's, it's gonna have to come i mean we see that oh yeah that too but well, that's the, the shop in gettysburg the Gettysburg Four Corners comics mm-hmm. is a comic shop on one side, and then they bought the building to the left of them and then broke out the wall. And on the left is the, the gaming tables where they hold magic tournaments, yep. uh, D&D, and other gaming tournaments that you have to buy into. And that's where all their money comes from. Um, so it's con- completely, you know, no one just owns a comic shop anymore. Yeah, and for okay. a while, they wanted to rent us the space in the basement as like a recording studio and it just it was it wasn't gonna work for audio recording so we had to turn it down but that's the thing he was like yeah you know for a couple bucks a month i'll rent this to you and i was like well let's let's talk first about your spacing but you know everyone's looking for new revenue outlets especially in the comic book shops mm-hmm. yeah uh well on the upside uh Shout out to our boys at Toy Power. Hopefully, they're excited about this. McFarlane Toys picks up DC Comics six-inch action figure license, which I thought was pretty cool. A lot of people love McFarlane Toys. Well, I mean, as far as action figures go, McFarlane was arguably the first company to hit the scene where we were getting really, really high-quality yeah. sculpts as long as 15 years ago. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's a proven brand at this point. Um, maybe not as dominant as they were 10, 15 years ago when they were pretty much the only the only show in town for the super realistic sculpts and everything. But yeah, this is actually great news. Um, I was actually on the show with them when they got the news that Mattel had lost the license to all the DC stuff. Mm. And, and that Spin Master had picked up some of the licensing. And we thought at the time that it meant this stuff, the six inch as well. The six inch, uh, you know, basically I call it your six inch Marvel Legends equivalent, but basically your six inch serious products that for collectors, not for children, mm. not toys, but collectibles. Um, this is big news though. Like this is really promising for DC because this could mean that we get some affordable, but high quality figures that, <laughs> can compete with some of the expensive Japanese imports that have been doing really well lately that are just too expensive for the casual collector. So, sorry, go ahead. I mean, cover but the rest yeah. of it. Uh, I'll just read a little bit from the press release. It came out uh, yesterday. Uh, Batman, Superman, the entire roster of DC's iconic characters have a new place to hang out their capes and cowls. And if I jump to the end of the paragraph, it's going to be uh, – Video games, uh, they'll be bringing dozens of the iconic DC comic books, video games, and feature films. Near endless stable of characters life with 6 to 12-inch ultra-posable action figures. Mm. Corresponding accessories and vehicles branded in the DC multiverse. 
and that ultra uh, posable, I think, for the toy collector is is a huge key. Besides the fact it's going to be presumably look great and be something you really want to have on your shelf. The fact that you can pose them, I know from hearing you, Paul, and hearing the uh, Toy Power guys uh, talk, that that's, that's a big thing. If you open the package, that is. Yes. Yeah. I love fucking McFarlane toys, man. Back uh, in the early aughts, they came out with a, a rock star line. So, like, they had Morrison, and they had... Uh, you know, um, Hendrix and other, other people I enjoy. And I, uh, I bought that Jim Morrison one and then it was swiped from my college room Oh no! Now, to buy that back. It's going to cost me a hundred bills. So, but I, I always like, I mean, that's the thing you go there for quality and, uh, you know, uh, if you're a DC dude and, and like action figures, I'm all for it. I wish they would pick up the Nintendo license so I can get a badass Samus or or other, you know, Nintendo properties. Yeah. Yeah, the Mattel line was terrible, dude. Uh, like, to, to give you an example, do I have... Is my Mysterio handy? No, I can't see him in the dark. Um, the Marvel Legends line, there's a guy called Optimus... Uh, Prime. No, not Prime. No, Shardimus. That's right, Shardimus. Shardimus. Like Shart- a brown streak on his face. Shart- Shartimus? Yes. Uh, who does YouTube content where he reviews figures. Uh, yeah, no, Shartimus Prime. Uh, I really like his videos because one of the things he does is he goes through the articulation. And so he takes a figure that he's reviewing and he stretches every limb as far as he can without breaking it. He checks the flexibility of like the knees and the ankles and everything. And one of the, the main things he does is he grabs the legs on a Marvel Legends and he you know, he basically does the split pose to see how far they'll extend. You can't do that with Mattel. Mattel literally doesn't go that way. They're, they're, they're swivel. They're, they're like this. You know what I mean? Like just, uh, I'm saying like this and I'm talking and on a podcast. Yeah. On a podcast. Uh, and <laughs> I know most of you don't see the video. Uh, I apologize for the folks at home. If, if you could imagine if you're, uh, if somebody screwed your legs onto the side of your torso and that's how your legs moved, and not like an actual joint. A Just front and back, yeah. That would be Mattel figures, uh, and it's terrible. Like everything, in cheap plastic, uh, like really cheap plastic, cheap paint apps, everything is bad. So Mattel was garbage. This is a hugely positive news for DC collectors. Now, uh, Kerr, are you a toy man? I was back. Uh... In the bedroom. Yeah, back, no, uh, back back in the late nineties, uh, I guess early nineties through uh, probably right right around two thousand, I stopped because it got a little out of control. But I was a uh, huge uh, fan of the toy biz uh, action figures. Bought the the early McFarland Spawn stuff, um, all the all the 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 Playmates Star Trek stuff, but. Uh, yeah, I stopped doing that. I just don't have room for that crap anymore. I mean, the, those highly collectible items. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but, but in terms of, uh, any kind of articulation, I mean, there's, I still have, there's a Spidey figure around here somewhere that had like 16 points of articulation, which was unheard of at the time. And it was awesome because you could pose it in whatever way you wanted. Now Phil's grabbing one off the shelf. No, 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 because I just bought I bought a uh, so Nintendo had this World of Nintendo line mm-hmm. that was pretty 
pretty good for Nintendo figures. But when Toys R Us kind of went under, these things started disappearing. And I was able to find one um, at our local GameStop, which was a, a, a Samus figure. And that's the one thing I noticed was that she's got articulation all over the place, which was kind of surprising for the world of Nintendo to, to, you know, do three articulations on each leg alone, you know, ankle, knee, and then hip. I was kind of blown away with that. And that was one thing that I noticed about that. That's, that's what these were, the, this Spidey. It's a uh, wrist, elbow, shoulder, and, and ankle, you know, ankle, knee, hip, and, and then torso. There's a torso one as well. Right. And head. Yeah, it, it's, uh, so articulation is everything, if you, particularly if you want to display them. I just remember my poor G.I. Joes with the rubber band keeping the hip <laughs> to the legs to the torso together. When that broke, I had to fix it with, like, paper clips and rubber bands and shit. But, um, it, was, it was traumatic when I was a kid. Uh, so, yeah, if you're into toys and you, you've got some feedback on this, hit us up uh, at BTP at GiantSizeTeamUp.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, uh, Grandpa Booten, you remember Howard the Duck? I remember Howard the Duck, greatest movie ever made. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I had to watch it again with my kids and my wife thought, like, oh, it'd be funny. I'm like, no, it's horrible. And she thought now it'd be funny to watch it, just watch me. The only thing good about that was Leah Thompson, period. Even then, it was rough. Oh, stop it. You didn't, you didn't watch it for her dialogue. Well, I was like in diapers then, Grandpa. So, you know, no. I'm watching her either. Well, diapers. In 1986? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you, I was oh, like, boy. oh boy, uh, I'm so I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You were married with two kids by then. <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing, you know how Netflix got four or five shows, and they're all going to come together and be this this big thing at the end, and that didn't work out too well for Netflix for various reasons, right? Ah, uh, hello. Being um, a few years late to the table, apparently it's going to do the same thing. So four new animated Marvel series plus a crossover special are coming to Hulu. Now, I think parcel difference there is animated. But uh, Hulu has greenlit MODOK, <laughs> Monkey, Tigra and Dazzler show, which already makes me want to puke, and Howard the Duck. Uh, and then they're going to come together in a special title called The Offenders. The Offenders. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm just gonna nope. leave that there. What do you guys think about this? Hit monkey. I'm so, I, well. You know what? I'm gonna go out. I'll be the first one to do it. Uh, they could be really terrible, and just spend the first season building up to some conclusion that we never get to, like <laughs> they did with the Runaways. <laughs> oh God, I can't even do that. Um, I I think the the good <laughs> thing is that it's fucking animated. You literally can't. No, I, I, I can't. I can't. I, I, I can't even go back to looking. Oh, like, my God. That is such a runaways response. <laughs> <laughs> but it's literal <laughs> in my case. <laughs> no, go ahead, Kurt. But oh. here's the thing that I really <laughs> want to say about it is that this is where you could actually make Howard the Duck work. You know, look what they did. Uh, did you see Into the Spider-Verse, Charles? Unfortunately, no. Okay, well, they made fucking Spider-Ham work. Oh, oh no, I saw the previews. I can tell. Oh, 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 Sp oh. Spider-Pig? Spider whoa, whoa. 
Oh, Whoa, get get off of this show. Okay. Well, I'm I'm stuck. <laughs> no, not you, Philip. Oh, you've seen into the Spider Verse. Yeah, multiple times. Because it's not on DVD. That's why I saw it. <laughs> not yet. Which is even harder for me to go to the theater, and I made the effort to do it. Oh, but, I'm sorry. Oh, I've been busy making yeah, they, the company. My bad. Yeah, no, dude, they don't have a lot oh. of theaters in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, no, um, but I think animated's the way to do this, and I think it's gonna. I want to see Patton Oswalt and what he does with Modoc. Yeah, uh, and and uh, here is an upside for me. Kevin Smith uh, tweeted out, "Thank you to at Marvel and at Hulu for letting me." do foul uh, f-o-w-l things to howard and animation but the real brains of our operation is a legit cartoon genius the great meatwad himself aqua teen hunger forces dave willis well look how funny uh, he's turned into now that he's a vegan jesus bird puns great job <laughs> all right kurt really you can go now no, no, I was just, I was actually just going to expand on the the people behind it, which which is what gives me hope. The Kevin Smith, Patton Oswalt, frankly, even Chelsea Handler on Tiger and Dazzler. Mm, uh, Tiger and I'm Dazzler. now out. I did not know that, and my yep. disdain for her is going to be challenged. I understand, but she can be funny. She's not always funny, but she can be funny. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think I think uh, Tiger and Dazzler on the road. Buddy, buddy, uh, show could be could be fun. She's just not my kind of comedian. Sure, sure. Such a dumb character. What, Dazzler? Yes, she's awesome. Take that back, Disco Laser Bitch. Disco Lady. <laughs> what do you think's worse, some chick that does disco lasers with her hands, or Jubilee who becomes a goddamn vampire? Jubilee okay. who becomes a vampire as well. Yeah, exactly. Vampire Jubilee is bullshit. Okay. But she got she got over that though. Dazzler is well, like I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, actually. It, it's fucking Marvel. Everybody gets retconned. It, it it's it suddenly becomes a stunning turn of events when you go back to your original power set. I mean, originally right. Daredevil was the watcher, but then they made him blind and it worked better. <laughs> Uh, I mean, everybody gets retconned on that fucking. Holy shit! That I love Kurt. Funny. Kurt's fucking trying to think about this. Have <laughs> you listened to the show, Kurt? I throw out random bullshit, and it's fucking funny. See, he laughed. He got it. Catch up, Kurt, because it's your turn. Ooh, so, how- when's the funny part coming? <laughs> real, real quick, um, Paul, you shut your fucking mouth. You shut your fucking mouth. Um. <laughs> Howard the Duck has an opportunity here to become Deadpool. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially as animated, smoking a cigar, you know, just being a crude motherfucker. Banging humans. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. That's what he does. <laughs> well, I, I know. But come on. Uh, well, yeah. But first, looking forward to it for the bestiality, but the rest. Whoa. Of- uh, I can't wait to finally get some new shit to jerk yeah. off to. <laughs> 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 I'm Kurt Boutin. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you fucking disgusting freak. Oh. But Kurt, you brought this one to the table, and this rolls right into Hulu is open to reviving the canceled Marvel Netflix series. Yeah, that was a weird article, but I thought it was, you know, because it, it kind of relates to the subject matter. Um, it really was was Hulu basically said, hey, you know what? Uh, we'd like to do the Defenders, guys. So 
we're open to that. And, and there's nobody has said, Hey, we're shopping this around. Disney hasn't said anything like that, but Hulu for some reason just said, Hey, yeah, we'd like to revive these shows. So the thing is, Disney's a part owner in Hulu, right? So this is, everybody's a part. This owner. is fucking bogus, man. This, um, we have no interest in continuing the series, but something that we own like twenty percent of definitely has interest. That oh my god, it, it's, it's so, a separate company. It's a it's a it's a media ploy. It is a media ploy to get. But I mean, it's it's such a cop out. You know what I mean? Oh, like, well, yeah, it, to people who know that Disney has a stock in fucking Hulu. But if you talk to my sister, who, if you talk to my sister, she has no idea that Disney is the marionette inside Hulu's, or I'm sorry, is the Jim Henson inside Hulu puppeting things around. The 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 big thing uh, th- that I got out of the article, which it, it was like two sentences, but there was there was some speculation that Hulu may end up being the home for Marvel and Disney's more adult oriented content. So they won't use it on their own streaming services. But if it's, if it's more, more of an edge, like, like, well, frankly, all the defenders stuff, it would be more appropriate on a service like Hulu. Mm. I don't know. I, I think that's kind of bogus too, but yeah, but if they're already signing on Howard, the duck hit monkey, you know, Modoc, it kind of leads, it leaves a little creditation and 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 whatnot to to what you're saying there, you know. Maybe. It, and I think it all depends. Well, I I don't think that how well Howard the Duck does de- de- determines if Daredevil comes back, but I'm sure it's on somebody's radar. Right. And Disney does dirty. They just always do it under their other brands, like Buena Vista Film. Right. Yeah. Star and, and- what if it came back as an animated series? What if what if you did Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and the Defenders back as an animated series? The same actor's voice in them. Yes. Uh, same edginess. Yeah. More edginess. Huh? Cool. I got no issue with that. Why Kurt? don't we? Sorry, not Kurt. Go ahead. Take, take, well, no, just take take the concept and maybe not the art style, but the concept around Castlevania. Mm-hmm. Real dark, real violent, real edgy, and then just put these characters that we lost from the Netflix series into that situation and then have the original cast come back and voice it. Paul, you shook your head. No. Why? Paul left. He's not even here. He got so <laughs> angry. He threw his headphones down and left. Paul got so angry. He just booted up a rocket leg and said, fuck this shit. No, it's just, it's fuck it. This whole thing is infuriating. Okay. They had a really great thing. They struck gold. Great. Okay. They struck a little bit of fool's gold, too. <laughs> it was more fool's gold than actual gold, but continue. No, 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 no. Gold, gold. Not you, Iron Fist. Sit down. Yeah. No, not you. A lot of the um, season twos and threes did not work as well as the season ones. You haven't watched any of them. <laughs> I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. No, he's Randy, wrong. Randy, somebody, Randy somebody, can make a good point every no, now and somebody again. Somebody mute this dumb dick. I'm not hearing that right now. I'm not, I'm not taking you know, critical feedback from somebody who hasn't even seen the How was thing. Punisher season two? Was that good for you? I actually what haven't watched Punisher know? season two yet. I liked it. Kurt, you don't count here, goddammit. <laughs> 
Anyway, I'm here. But I will. I, okay. Well, I say this: Punisher season one absolutely blew me away. Yeah. It was one of the most surprising and best things I've ever seen come out of the modern age of television. It was an incredible story. I don't even like that character. I'm predisposed to hate the Punisher because I I agree with the 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 not so common sentiment that he's a mass murderer and therefore you should not look at him like a hero. That was Genghis Khan. Sometimes the world needs some fucking mass murderers, man. Oh boy, that should not be coming out of the voice of you. <laughs> ja, ja. Uh, ja. Yikes. <laughs> Anyways. On well then, yeah, on that note. <laughs> no. Sorry guys, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> and Kurt just drifts off camera. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Daredevil was really solid. Luke Cage was good. And Luke Cage was definitely finding its stride in season two. Uh, Jessica Jones has been well-received. Uh, you know, it, it they had something good. They fucked up with Iron Fist. I think that was a production schedule thing more than literally anything else. Like, they just weren't ready to go yet. They didn't have time. Uh, and then they rolled right into Defenders, which was heavily reliant on Iron Fist. So when you screw up your big four-show crossover because it's completely hedged on that last show that was your weakest, you know, link, things start to fall apart. But they had something great going on, and they absolutely could have salvaged the shared universe of those five shows. They could have maybe not kept everything and maybe not kept everyone, but they definitely could have moved forward with daredevil as the central core and done done something like what they did initially with daredevil where it was the central show and you know that's how they introduced some of these other concepts and ideas um but they can't straight up canceled this stuff because of, of backroom deals and not because of the this was a marketable product that was doing well it had some stumbling but it was this was a good product it should not have just gotten turned down outright because Disney didn't want to take a little bit less money. It seems incredibly foolish to me because uh, the truth is Disney just didn't want the competition in the space. I, that's how I see it. So, um, yeah, so I don't care. I don't want to see an animated version of it. And I, we know some of these people won't come back. Uh, I'm fairly certain Deborah Ann Wall said she's done, like, regardless of what happens. And I imagine some of the others feel the same. You know, it's probably... Has Punisher been canceled yet? Not yet, not officially. Not so, will, the, no. so, they, so they're probably waiting till Jessica comes out, yeah, and then just cancel them both at once because canceling the Punisher before Jessica comes out gives a bad taste in people's mouth, even though they know it's coming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. On that note, we're going to take a break, and I'm going to educate these fools of how. Mass murder has made the world turn around. Uh, but hopefully, you'll hear an uplifting jingle about how you what can support us. The fuck? We're all going to die. We'll be back in a minute. Okay, uh, this is Mike, your post-production editor for Breaking the Panel. If Phil were here, he'd talk to you about uh, Patreon, and, uh, and he'd probably call you a dick, and he'd refer to this as a shit show of some kind. But if you, if you love the show and you love the guys, here's how you can help. Uh, go to Patreon, give us money. And we'll give you things in return. Merch. We, we have merch. Merchandise. We got uh, mugs. We got t-shirts. And there may be other things. I haven't actually gone there to look yet. But I know Charles has said the words mugs and t-shirts. So uh, it's tiny.cc slash GSTU. 
merch. Buy the merch. Oh, there's a link on our website as well. So go to the Breaking the Panel page, click on the link, go to the uh, merch website, buy the merch, and we get money. So any way you want to look at it, give us money. Okay, back to the show. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed that little jingle while we had a great conversation about <laughs> defending mass murderers and threads and then talked about Brandon Frazier and some cool stuff that's going up. So you can find all of that on patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel. Uh, but now I think actually Kurt might have brought this one in. The movie <laughs> Pass, Chief and Miss Baltimore State. Hail huh? Satan! Hail huh? Satan! Oh, Was it me? I washed my hands with holy water of this shit. It wasn't me. This is Kurt. Turns are not real because you're <laughs> <laughs> Satan, how are you, dear? I am good, my child. Oh, God, it's been a while. Give, Give me $10. Give me 10 I got $350. I got $350. I need $25 to buy a comic book shop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, it's good to see you, Movie Pass Demon. Good to be seen. <laughs> All right, Kurt, read your fucking story that you brought this monstrosity. <laughs> okay, so so I purposefully brought this in order to summon the Movie Pass Demon. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh hey this is this is really enlightening the the ceo of movie pass mitch Lowe, um ha- was quoted as saying that quote we made a ton of mistakes <laughs> the hard part for me is how much we've had to learn from our own mistakes last year the primary one growing too fast you would never think that growing too fast is a thing but it really is wow so this guy sounds like dumb dick. <laughs> <laughs> I hope uh, I hope he's enjoying his beachfront property down there in hell with you, Movie Pass Demon. So, I, well, I got a question for the Movie Pass Demon. Who's worse, Mitch Lowe or the Punisher? Oh, I'm glad you went that way. Kurt, <laughs> <laughs> you asked to be on the show. And you fucking heard this shit. Shut the fuck up. Movie Pass M- Demon. Who's M- Mitch Lowe, dumb dick. <laughs> Punisher do my work. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why Mogar comes out. Yeah, <laughs> too much Mogar lately, but God Never damn. too much Mogar. That's awesome. Uh, Mogar love movie pass. He grew too fast. Yeah. I love the oh, cool bears. Like, we only ship like thirty to 50,000 cards a week, right? We can just call it MasterCard and increase that, can't we? And the answer was no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's uh, weird it how like yeah. corporate CEOs are just fucking disconnected from the world. The the weird thing is there he's he's literally was talking about yeah we had fifty thousand subscriptions sold on the first day and that number tripled in under a week that was the problem. <laughs> yeah, we were too successful. <laughs> we were too successful, and we couldn't print enough cards. Yeah. So that was the problem. I guarantee he says that's the problem. I guarantee you in the board meetings and the planning meetings, somebody's sitting there going, "You can't do this." We will not be able to handle it. The IT guy's going, the servers won't work. The contract guy's going, the movie theaters aren't talking to us yet. You know somebody was telling that dumb dick, you can't do this. And he did it anyway. It's kind of like the Fire Festival, if you guys have seen that documentary. 
<laughs> which which I'll well, get to during the the what we're watching, playing, reading. But that's exactly what it sounds like. Because Charles, you are right. There were multiple people probably yelling at him, saying, "You can't do this. You can't do this." And he's like, uh, "I only need positivity around me, man. I'm gonna do it anyway." Well, the difference though. <laughs> The difference, though, is with Movie Pass, people actually got to see entertainment. Well done. Well done. <laughs> You're very true. With it's that. true for a short period of time, but they didn't have to go home right away. <laughs> That's true. Cheese toast and sand, man, or gravel or whatever. Um, now, say, and then this is they're having a restructuring. I did look at this a couple weeks ago. Uh, Cause I always check about once a month to see if they burned in hell or not. Uh, and they are doing new plans that will be. 15 25 and 50 dollars roughly you know and you can see one movie three movies and unlimited and all this other jazz bullshit they're restructured but i i think it's too little too late i think none of that makes any fucking sense yeah why am i gonna pay 50 dollars who goes to see so many movies that 50 dollars is a deal for them who seriously oh my god like it's yeah this whole thing we've talked about it so many times but it is just the dumbest shit and it's 20 movies for me that's literally 20 movies for me yeah no you don't have the time for 20 movies i don't even have the time for two movies now if the industry hadn't rejected them as well you know what i mean like not only did their business model fall apart but the industry was fighting them the whole time because they didn't want this going on if the industry had embraced them this was probably doable you know what I mean? This could have ushered in a whole new era. And and I still don't fully understand why the movie theater industry is like, no, don't give us money for tickets and sell way more, yeah. you know, movie tickets than we were selling before. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It, it just, it doesn't, the whole situation doesn't make any sense to me. And I really feel like there's a lot more going on than just on the surface of what we're looking at, which is, as a consumer, how much am I paying every month to, to for what I'm getting? There has to be more stuff going on behind doors that we just don't understand because this is insane. Like all of it yeah. is insane. Because they pumped um, my head. Why didn't they pump the brake? Well, one, why'd you jump from fifty dollars a month to ten, which which crippled you? Go in segments down to see who catches what. But the other thing is, why didn't you pump the brakes like Amazon did when Amazon realized that their prime was shit was too low? They just cut off signups. Like, sorry, you can't sign up anymore. We, we're full until we get a new program built. And then they, they figured out their cost factor and built it up. And they just didn't. But uh, Movie Pass itself does not produce content, right? It's a gateway to content. And they still failed miserably. But Activision, who makes good content, no. is failing. <laughs> <laughs> holy, holy shit. Oh. Phil. Why are you triggered? Phil is pacing. Why he's, are you he's clutching his back like an old man. He's really hurting right now. Activision uh, <laughs> Blizzard is 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 dropping trowel and dumping out people. So Activision Blizzard had an earnings call yesterday where they acknowledged that they had record you know revenue in 2018. They also acknowledged. Yeah, yeah, no, the record revenue. More revenue than they've ever generated before in 2018. Now, the key is it, revenue is not profits, right? Well, it, their profit is pretty right. solid too. Okay. But revenue, revenue is, okay. However, they didn't meet expectations. 
They didn't meet projections by market analysts and their own right. what? accounting. Wait, 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 wait. They, You're they telling felt- me, Paul, that they made more money than they expected than they ever have before. $7.5 billion. Yep. Seven point five, which, which was lower than expectations. Yes. They missed it by a few base points. Best okay. year they've ever had as a company. Ever had as a company. But now, they're not hitting their full potential. Yes. So they renewed their commitment to building the communities around their games and being in touch with the fans of their games to know exactly what they want in those games so that they can smash those numbers going forward. But also, by the way, we're doing some internal restructuring uh, to cut costs and we're laying off 800 people. Oh, you mean 8% of the employees that work there? Okay. And guess guess what departments were cutting, Philip? Um, probably the ones that didn't generate enough revenue to get them to their full potential. The VPs, right? They're cutting the VPs. And- no, or, or how, hold, no, on, no. hold on, hold on, no, hold on, hold no. on. Why? Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. I'm going to yeah, yeah. you. I'm yeah. going to let you finish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, Charles, we're going to pay the CFO $15 million. Now, granted, most of that's in stock options. Okay. But we're going to give him a, a one mil lump sum. You well, know. Chief financial officer, right? He made sure the money was accounted for. He mm-hmm. counted it out. We got billions. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a new one, though, because we got rid of the old one. Yeah, no, no. Remember, the old one went to Netflix. He got, right. he got fired from Blizzard, and Netflix picked him up right away. This, that was $15 million is a signing bonus, Charles. Jesus fuck. No, 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 no. We didn't hit expectations, motherfucker. Shit, sit down and fucking shut up. Continue, Paul. So, so, so the departments we're going to make cuts in are the departments that don't directly generate revenue themselves, such as customer service oh. and community managers oh. and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Oh, so follow-up support, tech support. Uh, yeah. Product designers. Product designers. Yep. So. Oh. Oh. Uh, we need yep. the soundboard from 40-year-old version where he's just screaming things when they ripped it. So okay, I, I know Phil is getting ready to rip loose. I want to break my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I read uh, some analysis in a Reddit thread from somebody who follows the market, and you know the stock market, and he said this is classic behavior in a company that has grown really strongly for a long time and has hit the wall as far as ideas. They are out of ideas. They are out of ways to generate meteoric continued growth to bring in millions. Grow meteorically every year. You just can't. But that's right. That's the reality of business on planet Earth. That we know that there's a point where you're going to grow so fast, so quickly that you're going to not be able to let people get movie tickets. Uh, That's called a callback, Charles. Thanks. No, that's called a pressure pressure release valve. Yeah, no. I'm fucking tuned up right now. That's hu- that's human nature, though, right? As teenagers, you hit those growth spurt and you grow fast. But if you continue that the rest of your life, we well, you'd, you'd explode. Giants, yeah, you'd be no. yeah, right. So, what this behavior in a company like this means that they are out of. They literally have pooled all their resources internally, and they've said, "How do we mine?" more liquid cash out of nothing and they, those analysts and designers and developers and everybody goes we can't we we are at maximum squeezing blood from this stone i'm sorry maximum squeezing blood seven point billion 
7.5 billion? What the- right. So, so oh, that's a oh, I can't I can't so, uh. so what what they're doing is cutting workers. They're paying out dividends to stockholders, which sends a strong message to stockholders. This makes them very happy. And they're also doing stock buyback as well. This is all classic behavior of a company that is about to implode. Not like in the next year implode, but this is a company that's growth is going to flatline and then it's going to start to decline and investor faith in that company is going to decline and stock value is going to drop precipitously. I know. Did I pronounce that right? (laughs) Yeah. Things are going to get bad for Activision Blizzard in the next five years. I guarantee it. Phil and I have talked about this. Phil hit me with a bomb like two, like a month ago. He was like, I don't think Blizzard will be around in 10 years. And I, at the time, like he, he rocked me with that. I was like, but Phil, we're both such big Blizzard fanboys. How could you ever say that? And lo and behold, people who are analyzing their behavior from what we can see from the outside and knowing you know, some, there's also people talking to people who've worked at Blizzard, who've worked for other companies. This is, yeah, the signs are on the wall. This Activision Blizzard is about to transition into being the next Valve, except they don't have a sales platform like Valve had. Right. Valve was able to transition into being the de facto PC marketplace at a time when people were just starting to be willing to buy their games digitally. Exactly. Most of their revenue is the cut that they take from running the eShop. Their, their, you know, Steam. They so, do, oh, sorry, go ahead, Kurt. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead, Fisher. No, no, I was just uh, like, I'm saying, like, but that's well, Blizzard and only because, only because. So, so, um, I I worked in the video game industry for about twenty to twenty five years. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was in for a long time, and and I've seen this kind of thing happen over and over again. There is a possibility that, uh. Blizzard could pull a bungee, mm. and um, and and they could say, "Yeah, we want to we want to get out of Activision." And Activision, the analysts at some point, and and the analysts are the big problem, but the analysts at some point may say, "Well, you know, if Blizzard, you know, goes by themselves again, then our revenue will go down, but our expenses go down too." And so we can rejigger our, our uh, expectations. <laughs> and so, so, there's, so there's that. But also, and I, and I really do believe that the analysts are the, the big problem here. When, Charles, you were talking about, you know, teenagers and going through growth spurts and everything. The problem is that, let's say your kid grows a foot in the last year and a half. The analysts will go, well, you know, at that pace, he'll be seven foot tall by next year. So yeah, let's, let's plan on that. Right. And that's stupid. It has no basis in reality. Right. Right. And, and the good analysts are better at that. But <laughs> if you're, if you're having your know, record revenue and the analysts are predicting above and beyond that, I think that's where the big problem is. Well, if they had met expectations or even exceeded expectations by being a little bit more conservative in their estimates, we wouldn't be talking about 800 people losing their jobs. Right. The, the, the 800 pound gorilla in the room in the entertainment industry right now is we, there is monumental amounts of cash flowing through entertainment, through movies, through television, through video games. Video games is now 
a, a major player in regards to entertainment. It, it's outpacing music as far as generating revenue. It is outpacing television and it is giving film a run for its money if it's not outpacing it overall. The issue is we have all of these previously great companies. They're, they're getting taken over by corporate people, by, by you know your stock market junkies, your analysts, and your CEOs who have no foot in what they're actually doing. Like they have no background in the entertainment that they're creating, the, the content that they're yeah. creating. And they are taking over these companies and then they're using, they're leveraging the assets of these companies to buy up all these other studios. And so Activision 10 years ago buys Blizzard. Everything's fine for a long time because they were pretty much just allowed to do their thing. And because at the time their thing was working, Blizzard was, you know, four years ago, Blizzard was one of the hottest companies on the, on the scene. They could do almost no wrong. I mean, they had done wrong, but like they had still buoyed themselves beyond. Like there was a time like right after Diablo three came out while was struggling. If you had told me that, you know, Blizzard was still going to be rip roaring strong in a couple of years, I would have laughed at you, but they, they turned it around. They, they course corrected and they wrote it out. And then over, Sorry. One of the things, they were one of the, they, uh, Blizzard, was one of the heralded companies for loving their community. Yes. Communicating and allow, not just allowing, but encouraging, hey, build shit for our games, right? I mean, if, if I remember that. Path, well, no, not, not necessarily build shit for their games, but they embrace the community. They don't do mod communities. They, they, they've, they've interacted with the community. No, you're, you're probably thinking of Bethesda. Oh, okay. Because the, 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 the Elder Scrolls series has embraced. Uh, I gotcha. Elder Scrolls. But they still they reached out to the people who. Are, well, they oh. they were just heavily involved in the community, okay. and then they've been increasingly less so. And then, if you notice, the big names that were at Blizzard from the beginning started dropping like flies. A couple here, a couple there. You you know, you get your Morahames leaving. You get your uh, Metzen. Metzen, your Green Jesus. Well, well, that's the thing, and all the they all leave as soon as they get acquired. Nobody left really before they. Well, got acquired right. This all happened after the Activision acquisition, so, but it didn't happen right away. It took five, six years yeah. for this to start happening. You know what I mean? Like, Metzen was around forever until we had a series of kind of rocky expansions, and you know, an overall underwhelmed response to some of the story stuff that he was responsible for. And all of a sudden he's gone. He's like, Oh, well uh, now is the time that I'm going to retire from blizzard and go live my best life. And it's like, dude, come on, you got fired. They fired you. They asked you to quit. They, they gave you a check and they asked you to leave. I guarantee it. Um, and you know, the, it's oh, completely. There's all kinds of little trickles of this all over the place for not just blizzard, but for most of these companies, EA, Bioware, Bethesda, Valve, people talk about it's a similar culture everywhere. The, the weird exception with Valve is they're not publicly traded. They're still a private company and they have this non-hierarchical uh, management, which is just absurd. And it's part of the reason why they just don't do anything <laughs> than j- just collect checks. Uh, but the, the whole thing is the industry is being plagued by corporate interests, by, you know, your, your, financiers and all of that you're the kind of stuff that tore a company like toys r us apart you know you're uh i'm trying to think of the word what is it again um private equity that kind of stuff uh the, the, those people venture capitalists who are looking for 
fast profit. They want to be in for two years and get out. And they build these mega companies and then they just chop their legs out from underneath them. Uh, these cuts are insane. People in the World of Warcraft, can't speak, World of Warcraft community are really, really fucking upset because one of the community managers who was like, I can't remember their name right offhand, but they were the big name that was in the forums on Twitter, interacting in discords. They were literally in discord communities for the game, interacting with people. They cut this guy. And yet Josh Allen, who's known as Lore, who got hired like five, six years ago, who used to do a lot of content and got hired. He's the one that sits on the videos with Ian Hazekostas doing the Q and A's and then kind of mocks the community he still has his job. And while his coworkers were getting fired, he was tweeting about laughing at something that happened on a stream the night before. Cause the guy apparently streams like nonstop too, when he's not at work. So they're firing people who live and bleed their job. Like people who definitely dive deep into the community, do everything they can to do their job the best that they possibly can. And it's, it's devastating. You know what I mean? These people are, that, that guy literally said, he tweeted out, he's like, I've been let go. I probably shouldn't tweet right now, but honestly, this was the company I wanted to retire at. I had no intention of ever leaving. That sucks, man. So this has been going on as long as the games industry has been around. Yeah. It really has. And it's just where this is a, just another cycle. Game companies rise and they, they appear to be invulnerable and then they're gone. And, and and it happens. I mean, there's been so many brands and so many companies over the years where that's happened, and it's much the same. What happened you know? to Interplay? What happened to Microprose? What happened Black to Black Isle? Well, I worked for Microprose twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I know, I know some of the stuff that happened, and and it really does all come down to the numbers. Yep. Yeah, but the numbers being seven point whatever yes billion. No. Yes and no, Kurt. Kurt, I'm just going to say um, real quick, I've been very silent during all of this because you will not find a bigger Blizzard apologist than, than I. I. I think it was like fucking three weeks ago, I was still suckling from the cock of Isaac, uh, Ian Hazakosis as, as Paul ripped him apart for this latest expansion. If you could see my video, I have a whole shelf of Blizzard shit. Like, Blizzard and I, you know, I still get the, I still have a subscription to Warcraft. I don't even play. I think it, we've all been there. I have a subscription to Warcraft. I give them the the digital ticket I buy every year for for BlizzCon. Like Blizzard was my warm blanket, and I don't know if I'm going to give them wow. any more money. That's how fucking upset I am. That's how upset I am right now. Um, they let people go that could have been saved and did nothing but strengthen the community as shit was going on. But with that said, the way that blizzard works, if you are not a dev, yep. you are treated like shit at that company. Um, Suzanne apl- almost applied for a job that would have moved us out to Irvine to be a, a part of the, the community manager team. Until she started researching more and reading forums and, and, and LinkedIn's and, and reviews on Blizzard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, 
and and Kurt, as you were saying, like this this happens all the time. It does. You're right. You are right. But you're also wrong because if you look at Iowata over at Nintendo, Iowata took a pay cut as the the company was struggling and on the brink of fucking closing. Instead of paying out and giving himself bonuses, he took a pay cut to save the company, but also lower end employees that could have been, you know, cut easily to make to to, to fix. Oh, and I'm not arguing profits. that at all. I'm not you arguing know? that that there's that there aren't good people who do the right things. I, I'm I'm just arguing that this cycle happens a lot it's... in the gaming. No, no, I and I agree with you. But but also when I look at Iowata, the fucking saint himself, and and fucking rest his soul, and then watch fucking Activision Blizzard give a fifteen million dollar signing bonus to somebody. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Eight hundred people now are scrambling. Like those those are fucking humans. Those are lives that are scrambling for fucking healthcare, fucking new employment. How are they going to pay their rent and mortgages? And you're giving somebody a $15 million fucking signing yeah. bonus? Like, it destroys the soul inside of me to the fact that everything behind me now, except for the plush and the fucking, the, you know, the small plushes that I know the artist got paid for, they're going right yeah. to my son so he can just destroy them. Because that's how fucking betrayed and sorrow I feel. And we talked about this, Paul. A couple weeks ago, unionization in the game industry needs to happen. When I agreed with you, I didn't know how that could happen. And this is just, hopefully this is the fucking domino to, for people to say. Yeah. So we've been talking enough. unionization enough's in the enough. gaming industry for 30 years. Yeah, I'm sure. Sure, yeah. Uh, and seriously, years, and, I know you have. ever since, I want to say 1990 is right around when it started, when the 60 hour work week became the norm and, and people had to basically give up their lives to put, to produce product uh, at every level. I'm not even talking about just devs. I'm talking yeah. devs, QA uh, production. Uh, everybody had to do that. And, and the, you know, the, the, the thing that people were sold on was like, well, look at this amazing product that you, that you're developing. You sh you'll have pride in having your name on the product and all I that. Didn't put fucking food on the table. and get No, 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 no. I, I agree with you. Um, and in the beginning, this is the great, the great lie and the beginning of, of everybody's career. If, if like when I started working in the industry, I was working on early Ultima games at origin, one of the best role-playing companies ever back then. Yeah, <laughs> Phil's holding up a cartridge. Did you yeah. work on that game, Ultima? I, I, so I worked on. I, yeah, yes, so so the cartridges, he those cartridges it. were actually produced in Japan, but 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 I worked on the PC and the Commodore sixty four and the Atari eight hundred yes. and the Amiga and all the all that stuff. So, um, but back then it was like, oh my god, I get to work on this thing and I get to have my name on it. That's amazing, and that will drive you for a certain amount of time if you're going to make it a career. That wears on you. I mean, when I when I left the in, uh, not when I left the industry, but when I was working at Atari, I was working sixty hours a week, had a sleeping bag and a pillow in my office because I didn't know if I was getting home every night of the week. I was working seven a.m. till ten p.m. every day. Yeah, you know, and 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 <laughs> salaried. I wasn't getting paid overtime. 
<laughs> um, yeah. And that happens yeah. all the time. Your your story is not unique to just video games right. either. Uh, oh, fair. Yeah. Well, no, because uh, I one of the you know one of the big companies in my life, along with Blizzard, is Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast is the tabletop company that makes Magic the Gathering and owns and makes Dungeons and Dragons. They've, they bought out TSR about 15, 20 years ago. Um, that company is legendary for what you're talking about. Yep. They get people who love games, love the product that they, even if they're not designers, developers, whatever, the people who are just in love with what games are, what they mean to them, what they mean to the people that they care about. And they're excited to do customer support. They're excited to do advertise, you know, whatever. They're excited to work at a company that makes something that makes people happy. And they hire at a lower rate than the other competition. They're in Seattle. They hire at a lower rate than other company, other firms in the area. They tend to have this really awkward hierarchy internally where you've got to basically play office politics to get promoted. And quite frankly, you're probably not going to get promoted. Most people don't. And if you haven't been there forever, uh, they completely savagely lay people off when they feel like it. Um, one of the, my big stories with that is I was following um, the, the development of D and D fourth edition. And I was listening to their podcast at the time. And that podcast was run by Mark, uh, Mike Merles and Dave Noonan. And I actually went so far as to end up playing uh, World of Warcraft. I transferred servers to play in Dave Noonan's Warcraft Guild because he kept talking about it on that podcast. Uh, and I got to chat with him a couple times, you know, during raids and stuff about stuff he was working on. He didn't tell me anything he wasn't allowed to. But, you know what I mean? He, I got to talk to somebody who was making something I was really excited about. D&D 4th edition comes out it fails pretty colossally like it people get their hands on the book and they're like this is just shit this rule set is not what we signed up for they laid them off the week before Christmas they laid off like a whole bunch of people including the people who the people who's like when you look in a book for Dungeons and Dragons and you look Dungeons and Dragons 4th edition bam right underneath it is the big the, the lead designers they laid most of those people off and this guy suddenly is just left out in the cold. You know what I mean? And other people like him. And it, it's not uncommon, like Kurt said. It happens all over. You know, it, and honestly, uh, one of the Reddit threads that I was reading, some people who work in the film industry chimed in on this. And they're like, you know, it's interesting because it's kind of different for us. Because their work is so piecemeal, they're, they're kind of immune to this sort of thing. Like, it totally fucking sucks if you get, if your show gets canceled randomly, and that was your long-term gig and you just get left out in the cold. Yeah, that sucks. But because they have the unions and because they, they, people leave the jobs all the time to get like, they're like people leave uh, films, feature films to grab a series gig. Cause they need something long-term people leave series all the time to grab a short-term project. Cause they want to change something up in their life. It's really, really common for, you know, you to not be any place for very long and everybody kind of has adapted to that. That's not the case in, these game companies, you know, pe people bunker down. It, it, it traditionally isn't. And, and the thing that I saw that was really, you know, uplifting or something positive that I could see come out of this is on Twitter, you had the CEOs of other game developers or, you know, everybody, indie tight or AAA's indie were, studios yeah. and all these other studios was like, yeah. give me your fucking resume now. 
give it to me now. Here's a link the, to apply. And I saw that as we'll well. The only you. issue we'll I have you. with that, and I was going to bring that up. Thank you, Phil. The only issue I have with that is that's just zombies pouncing on the pile. Because because they're headhunting. They're going to go. True. They're going to try to grab all the best talent that they can. Well, of course. But they're going to do the exact same fucking thing on the next down cycle for them. You know, they're going to cut these same people too. If you're if you're in customer service, if you're a community manager, any of that kind of stuff, you go to another company, you're you're never going to feel safe again. Because all it takes is a bad title, and all of a sudden, well, yeah. we got to save money. Well, that's so real. you're not really safe in any industry. Even no, truly. Some other industries are more stable, but you should never feel safe. Yeah. You should never feel safe. Farming. Fuck that shit. Farming. Nobody <laughs> wants to farm. That's why I'm opposed oh, to God the wall. Damn lunatics people farm. Who do that. I'm not doing it. No, no. <laughs> no, it's no. Uh, my, my favorite thing yes, about yes, Philip is when back. you meet him, the last occupation on the right? planet you would think that he does is farming. Right? Uh, but 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 just one more thing before we move on to the last part. It's just you know you had you had tweets come out of you know the Blizzard employees just can you know hugging and crying in the parking lot as they go into work, and they don't find out until five o'clock. So you're you know this this came out on fucking Sunday, and you're letting these people come in. All the way yeah, until I Tuesday at five PM. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't fire people them- until the earnings call. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which is fucking awful. And not 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 like, only that, but the, the, the fucking CEO starts to call off, being like, "So we did it!" You know, like super excited, like we set a record year for revenue. Come on, dude. Like. But also, they've had instances where they've fired an entire, you know, um, departments yeah. and then hired them back as temps so yeah. they could have them at a lower pay rate. Like, I just, I yeah. fucking, Activision. Well, it's, and, <sighs> God damn it. We're not going to let this man. die for a little while. Uh, well, no. a little more uh, than we a might. year ago, well, we'll when I started playing Destiny 2, that whole that whole community right they were like what the fuck is going on and what is you know they were they're they're setting everything on fire as a community like this game is garbage you you already had destiny and now you're making the sequel but you're repeating all the issues that you had with the first game you you already went through the growing pains you already you know you you were a young healthy teenage boy and now you are an infant again why and it's because of the relationship with Activision and because Activision was pushing agendas that didn't, you know, jive with what they were trying. Also because they lost half of the d- design team that worked on the first game because they're dumb dicks. And. No, they just pound things into the ground because they right. want to fucking milk whatever they got and fucking dry. Oh. You know, you look at the Tony Hawk series. You look at the fucking, uh, you know, Guitar Hero series. They just squeeze as much as they can until it's not fucking viable anymore. And then they throw that husk to the fucking nearest and part we of wherever is not near them. Um, but this reminds me, uh, speaking of that, this reminds me of big business in the 80s, right? The height of cocaine. And, and that was big business, which you'd go in and you make all the profits you can, then you'd fire people to maximize the golden parachutes. And 
and it was it was bad for every industry then and gaming is just not breaking that cycle right yeah. look at big companies now like google while google restructures and does things everybody has downtimes everybody has layoffs but to announce a seven point whatever billion revenue or or uh probably did i get the wrong game why do you why do you interrupt my dear thing i'm trying to transition kurt you're not invited back dude i didn't say anything i don't know what you're talking about mm -hmm. Uh, but my point is, is you can't, you can't do that to people. What would happen if everybody felt like Phil, the players, and went, fuck this shit. I'm just going to uninstall. I'm going to stop spending my money. Well, and that's. You're hurt. And, and we might see increasingly the case. Right. I mean, how many arguments did you and I get in when I was on FTHB with you guys? I'm saying, Charles, you and I got in mm -hmm. arguments about the community reaction to business decisions. Yeah. And what I was trying to get across all the time is like the consumer, the, the, the enfranchised consumer is more informed now than they ever have been. You know, back in the seventies and eighties, when the games industry imploded the first time, nobody was able to get the information that they can get today. You know, we, we, yeah. we, we right here are part of a literal cottage industry of people who make money, sometimes their entire livelihood off of playing games commenting on games analyzing the games industry all of this stuff creating content for the games you know it, it's it's a whole new world and when you are making very obvious anti-consumer anti-fan moves when you are cutting the legs out of franchises and companies that people really care about and it's very obvious plain as day it, that word is going to spread like I actually had uh, Dr. Yousel, friend of the show, you know, uh, he works, he's a college professor who created a game design program at SUNY Poly here in, in Utica, New York. And he runs it. He said he was really surprised how much traction this whole announcement got with just the wider public, but it's cause it's the story. It's yeah. $7.5 billion record revenue and all these cuts that is going to poison the well for you for years everybody shits on ea ea literally can't put out a good game without getting shit right they could put out a fucking polished gem and people are going to be like but it's shit colored well that's because you know what i mean and but it's a monster of, i mean bad in a bad way not no they dominate right. they've been the monster of the industry for a while one of them yeah ea ea was known as the evil empire back in the yeah. 80s yeah well, yeah, I, I, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> they were, so so the I fact they've survived this long is a testament to their longevity at all. I mean, it's, but it's great. in in the late '90s through the aughts, when you saw the EA logo on a game, it was generally a pretty good indication you were going to get a decent game. Yeah, you know, they had the oh, and it, and it was in the '80s as well. Yeah, they you know they had these album cover uh packages that w had some pretty fantastic games on them uh but uh yeah it, it they they but, but they've been known from within the industry as the evil empire for a very long time yeah. i mean uh, when the internet was brand new that was some of the first news i heard was how they were forcing their employees into overtime and it was becoming a big deal and and i bring that up to say it was so bad it made it to the average consumer like me when it wasn't on the nightly news or, or something right. else. Right. That, yeah. yeah. They've been the evil empire for a long, long time, but 
we are probably beating this into the ground a little bit. Everybody wants to rinse their mouth out, have a better taste of things. Something great and happy happened today that Paul Klotz covered for the network. We talked about another dumb dick company. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 well, no. Uh, happening wait. part two happened for Phil today. So, so today, uh, wow, no. D- Charles, Jesus Christ. Hey, we're not on Twitch. There's no terms of service on this shit. No, but damn, dude. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I've, I've been doing it through the whole show. Uh, so today. <laughs> and it's, uh, hold on. It's been, it's up to part yeah. five now. It's a joke, you fucking <laughs> Stop fact checking my jokes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Why don't you you keep your big league jokes to yourself? Um, Today was the Nintendo Direct. Uh, So Nintendo announcing the next several months of releases and some projects that are a little farther out. Uh, I did live stream it uh, over at twitch.tv slash soapboxgstu. I had some people turn up. uh, Dennis and Phil were there and Nicole, who's our our basically de facto mod across all of the network channels. and yeah and some other people um we we got to watch the i now granted i completely botched the tech so initially i i talked for a while and uh, i talked for a while while i was muted and then i unmuted myself and then i forgot to change the scene and then i didn't have sound for the video once it started it was a train wreck but we had fun any of you Patreons out there, you can watch that over. You can you can catch my VOD until it deletes, auto-deletes. Um, so it'll be up on my page for a little while, like six, seven days, right? Something like that. Uh, but you can, weeks, I think. Yeah. we're going to upload it for patrons on YouTube as well. So you'll be able to go catch it there. But the point is, there were some tasty, tasty jams uh, in this direct video today. Some really... Stellar. What was that? You're such a dick, Kurt. I'm sitting here trying to see where your fact check shit is. What you calling me out on? You were caught. You were caught. Kurt is no longer welcome in this house. You were caught. Not ever. Fucking bitches. (laughs) I love it. God, thank you so much. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt with the bait of most glorious quality. For the folks who are at home wondering what the hell just happened, (laughs) that rickroll was because Kurt just posted a link in our chat in Zoom, and Charles's dumbass clicked it. I did it. it. Charles's dumbass clicked it, and only the second dumbest thing he's done this week. Because Charles also sunk our goddamn oh. battleship, but we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> Nintendo Direct, uh, big news coming out of that. Uh, the, the first one was Super Mario Maker 2. It's coming out for the Switch in June. Looks really cool. Looks It looks great. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I know Phil is absolutely 100% going to buy that. He's probably going to play it a bunch. Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, with, with Mario Maker, what a lot of people don't know is um, Mario Maker came out on the Wii U, and it's the only game that's still sh- really viable 
and streamed heavily on Twitch is Mario Maker. Mario Maker has such a huge community that strictly plays Mario Maker on the Wii U on Twitch. So to get a part two is going to be interesting because the way part one worked, um, well, you know, you had your your console playing the actual game, and then you would use the gamepad as like your map designer. So I'm very curious on how they're going to do this, but I'm happy because. I came very late to the Wii U and I was very unhappy with it and I wasn't going to give it any more money. So the fact that Mario Maker 2 is coming out for a console I already love that I'm strictly doing Twitch streaming, fuck yeah, I'm buying that. And that's, well, we'll, we'll go through everything, but just the glares my wife was giving me through the 38 minutes of this fucking direct was just like... I can tell by December I'm going <laughs> to have a nice Christmas present of divorce uh, papers. Also, uh, Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening. Uh, this is a really juicy one. Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening was a top-down game in Game Boy. Okay, so we're talking about a Game Boy game remake. And it is cute as fuck! Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there. It is the cutest yeah. fucking thing I have ever seen. The little fucking, oh my God, the little Link, he looks so, uh, and then he's chopping the bushes. Oh my God. And I literally, if you watch the uh, the VOD for um, the stream, I was just like, this is the cutest, most adorable thing I've ever seen. And I, I am probably going to get this game. Uh, it looks cool too. Like it's got some cool platforming things yeah. built in. Uh, it's got a bunch of Mario elements in it as well, which is really cool. Uh, I think it's gonna. I think this is gonna be a huge success. Yeah, it will be because every time a Zelda game is remastered, it's a huge success, and that's all they do is remaster these Zelda games. Which I, yeah, you're right. I'm gonna buy it. It's gonna be fun, but I'm kind of fed up with Zelda fucking remasters. I really am. We we've, we've gotten. Link's Awakening, Wind Waker on the Wii U. We've gotten both Majora's and Ocarina on the fucking 3DS. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done. I'm kind of annoyed that we haven't gotten a remake of Mario 64 yet. Or any Mario game. There has never been a remake of a Mario game, really. Ooh, I'd love There's, a remake of Mario me. Excuse me, sir. Yeah, There's been Mario ports. Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I was going to say, well, there certainly has you, been you just got a Wii U port, you dumb bit. Right. A port is not a remaster or a remake. Oh, I, I, no, I follow you. I get what you're trying to so, so like, But the Super I, Mario Brothers U is a remake. Well, I mean, it's an, it's an upgrade to a, a classic platformer, but it's not like a shot-for-shot shot remake. Oh, like, right, Mar- Mario 64 should yep. have been remade by now. Yeah. You know, it, it, if we're getting Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, there should be a fucking Mario 64 remake, 100%. considering that it's the most fucking, like, held on a pedestal, changing the game industry game of all time. Like, that introduced 3D gaming to the world. In, every, in most people's in, opinions. In con- consoles, yeah. Well, yes, in console forms, yes, sure. But they don't remake fucking mario games at all like i would love to play a remake of sunshine i would love to have a, a two-part remake 
of Mario Galaxies. Even a fucking port of Mario Galaxies would be wonderful as they announce part three. But we're, we're getting another Zelda, Zelda remastered, which, which I'm fine, and, and they've got my money because they haven't laid off 8% of their employees yet. But I'm... There's time. I'm just... I, I want something, you know... I, I'm just a little upset because I'd rather have a remake to Link to the Past, but Link's Awakening is fine. I've already bought it three times on three other Yeah, but they haven't been remastered like this one's going to be remastered. No, no, and you're right. You are right. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, we're taking a Game Boy game and going to a Nintendo Switch 3D, 3D animated. Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Right. Or uh, Pokemon Let's Go. Was as Zelda, yeah. yeah. Uh, are you good, Phil? Can we move on? Or I, I have covered this game. Okay, <laughs> to, to the max. Uh, the, one one that we are, we definitely knew that they were going to talk about because they they basically told us that they were going to talk about it. Fire Emblem Three Houses is slightly delayed to July twenty sixth. <laughs> no, no, thanks for edging us, Paul. Yeah, pre- none, none of these guys care. Uh, I, I. Not to harp on it, but I really, really think that Nintendo fucks games like this up on the Direct. They took like a solid 90 seconds to do exposition on the premise of this game, where they showed the map, and they explained the three different factions, and nobody who's not a Fire Emblem fan doesn't give a shit. No. Not not even in the slightest. And so that's... it's. I don't know... If Nintendo sometimes gets that, like, your hardcore franchise fans are going to buy this game, you are trying to entice the people who are not necessarily a fan of that. So show them some shit that will fool them into thinking this is a game they're going to like. Don't show them the thing that is going to confirm that they're going to hate this. Because the average person is going to hate all of that exposition. Sure, I will, and I do. But I don't mind watching it as somebody streams it you know, over on Twitch, um, which I, I would guess, Paul, you, you're going to be picking this up. I'll probably get it. I, well, the, now that's the other thing, though. Uh, what's really interesting about Three Houses is I cracked the joke midstream that it was, um, it was like Fire Emblem Hogwarts because it's like a unit, like a, <laughs> it's like a, a school where everybody's battling each other and stuff all the time. It's not a terrible premise. Uh, I thought the costume design kind of, it, it harkened to a kind of completely different style because the Fire Emblem series up to this point has been like a lot of your traditional high fantasy tropes, like your knights and knights in armor, uh, but then a high fantasy aspect as well. Like you have knights on uh, horseback, Pegasus riders, dragon riders, that kind of stuff. And it's, it's a cool series in that regard. Uh, and they've also embraced uh, the different, aesthetics of various real world cultures like there's a whole japanese faction they're not actually japanese they're you know what i mean but the point is this is kind of a weird departure because they're wearing um costuming that i would say is like like cadet style stuff like you know military cadet type stuff that is obviously a bit you know stylized it kind of reminds me of uh, final fantasy type zero which was a, a similar kind of idea in the Final Fantasy series, it was a, a, an academy with a whole bunch of characters. They're all in cadet uniforms and everything. Anyways, the point is, it seems to harken a little bit to the Persona series. And so this game might look to bridge over to those Persona people and bring them in. 
Oh my god, our brains are the same. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. When I saw that. So. Yep. I, I definitely picked up on some persona vibes. Oh, completely. Yep. Uh, Astral Chain. This one was a big surprise. Uh, I had not heard anything about this game before. I don't even know if it was announced prior to this. Uh, it wasn't. Astral Chain is a game from Platinum Games, who is the Bayonetta uh, developer. It's an action game in which you play future cops and fight giant monsters. And it appears like it'll have co-op. This game looks so fucking cool. Uh, Phil, what did you think of this game when you saw it? Could not care at all. Did you think it looks cool though? I mean, at first when it happened, I thought it was um, a new resident evil. I did too. Because, you had a female and a male in, in police uniforms in a town that shit was going crazy. But as soon as I realized it was like uh, Bayonetta-esque, I was just like, nah, it's not for me. It looks good. It looks fun and action-packed. It's just not my kind of game. It's definitely a hard like Japanese title, if you know what I mean. But oh, completely. Like, Kurt, what yeah, about the thing you? that looked interesting to me about that was... Uh, and it was kind of hard to tell from the video, but it looked like they were actually chained together when they were in their, their suits. And mm-hmm. if there's an aspect of that where it limits your movement and whatnot, you have to work together, that's cool. I got I got no issue with that because that's a change uh, a bit. But otherwise, it's- I just don't care. I, uh... Now, Kurt, you are a, uh, you're a new Switch yeah, well, oh, sort of. I, yeah, it's coming tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so this. <laughs> so is, are this, you? <laughs> so this is your first like direct that you've kind of had some input or or hopes uh, into. Well, correct? not really. I mean, I've watched the directs in the past and, and basically said, yeah, you know what? If I get a switch, I'll I'll grab that. Or if my you know my my son has a switch, and and I I can use that on occasion. But um, and I've watched them back. You know, I've I've owned pretty much all of the Nintendo uh, devices. I did not own a Wii U, um, but uh, so I've watched the Nintendo directs and just to see what's coming. See if you know, I didn't know what they were going to be showing today at all. So I was kind of hoping to hear a little bit something about the board game stuff that they were going to be doing, but nothing yeah. yet. Yeah, no, no. I, I, well, there's a lot of things, well, and we'll get there at the end that I think are um, held back for. Easily, uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. It's only a that's fair. Away. But yeah, I, I didn't really care More too much t- about Astral Chain. Yeah. Okay. I, well, it, it speaks to. I'm into some of the Japanese, more Japanese type stuff. I uh, had a little bit of a near automata uh, visual design to it, and then while it was showing who worked on it, somebody for a, like a designer from near, a big name from near, uh, probably a product, you know, project lead, was on it. Uh, so I was like, oh yeah, of course, there it is. Um, Moving on, though, uh, the Box Boy series is coming to Switch with a two-player co-op game called Box Boy plus Box Girl. Now, I was not impressed until they showed the gameplay. I was like, oh, this is like, you know, your typical indie title that shows up on the eShop. It it might be good for a laugh, but it's probably not much of a game. No, this looks like a really crazy co-op platforming puzzle game where you're going to, you know, have to use both players to actually solve a whole bunch of problems and it's cute as hell i think it's going to be a big um like crossover appeal between you know the the, your normal gaming demographic and also you know women and and such 
you know, because it's got that cutesy element, it'll bring them in. What are you saying, Paul? <laughs> I'm saying that it's a cute as fuck title that is probably going to resonate with girls. Somebody who doesn't, if, you, if you're a male gamer and your wife isn't a gamer, yes. this would be a, a title that could appeal her into picking up the Switch. Now, look, I'll tell you, as soon as I saw this, it, I, it sold, sold, hmm. sold. It, it really reminded me of Snipper Clips, which is an indie title that was at launch of the Switch. And so when I first picked it up and my wife was like, I want to play games with you, but we're not going to play Zelda one person. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, we'll pick up the Snipper Clips. And that kept us busy for weeks. I mean, that's such a good uh, two to four person multiplayer game that has to do with puzzles and all this and working together. So I, I couldn't be more happy to see this game come out. Um, not my favorite thing during the show, but um, God damn, I, they've got my money. I, I was really unimpressed until I saw the gameplay and then I was like, Oh, yeah. okay. I'll probably buy it. Well, I've, not, I've never heard of the game until I, they announced it tonight and showed me gameplay for it. Mm-hmm. But and any opportunity to play two players with me and Suzanne is is almost a win in my book. Hey Charles, what do you think? I think mass murder is good. Ch- Charles got up and walked away. I like Rick Her- Astley. <laughs> I'm gonna find the real fappening video. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, to finish up, big titles uh, mentioned here: uh, Dragon Quest. Okay. Hold on, let me let me take a deep breath. Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition, including both English and Japanese audio, is coming out this fall. Um, yeah, uh, if you have to have that many words in your title, you're probably a Japanese game. Uh, Dragon Quest series is is really popular in Japan. Uh, it has a bit of a following in the West, but not as big as like other Japanese franchises like Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, stuff like that. But it definitely has its its fan base. Um, also mentioned on the or shown early on in the direct was the uh, Dragon Quest Builders two game that is coming as well. So the, they both look pretty cool. Uh, not really my wheelhouse, but I think people are gonna be excited about it if they're into the Dragon Quest series. Well, well, here's the thing about Dragon Quest is it kind of has the and set the 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 roadwork for the Pokemon RPG where it's random encounters, mm-hmm. and now Dragon Quest has adapted the Let's Go, no more random encounters. You can see the creatures running around, and you pick and choose mm-hmm. what you want to battle and what you don't. Which, if they're doing it, this is going to be the staple going forward. I, I guarantee when Pokemon next gen comes out for the switch and we hear about that at E3, that's going to be the staple of how these games are played from now on. Mm-hmm. More than likely. Uh, speaking of um, games that are, so this is kind of a weird part. This isn't necessarily new releases, but it's stuff that, well, some of it is actually, but it's uh, stuff that's going to show up on the eShop today. Captain Toad treasure tracker for switch. will get a free update today that adds two player co-op to each of the game's courses. There will also be 18 new challenges and five new courses via paid DLC starting today. You can order the package called Special Episode Now and get the first course with the rest being delivered on March 14th. And a digital bundle is up on the eShop right now containing the whole game plus DLC access. What's cool about that is it's only like four bucks extra. If you hadn't already bought the game, you can pay like, it's I think it's $44, $45. You yeah. get all of this new content as well. And it's there. 
Uh, now, that a quick question is that like family friendly? Or yes, something super like, family friendly. Yoshi's Island and and Yoshi's completely. Island. And there there is a demo for that still up on the eShop. Awesome. That's yeah. Here, which which I appreciate that fucking Nintendo is letting demos come up and then stay up yep. so you can test these games before you buy that because a lot of these, even on app, on your phone, you know, demos are not really part of the scene. I, I was just yeah. about to say that. I, I, I was a little surprised that so many demos seem to be, well, demos seem to be making a little bit of a comeback and because we've gone for years where... Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, where Where demos just... Demos were a staple, particularly in PC gaming, for a very long time. Oh yeah, and PC and same yeah. with console in the, in the fucking yep. 90s. and then nothing. When I when I first got my PlayStation, I relied on PlayStation Magazine yep. demos for the first. Yeah, couple of years. praise yep. it, brother. <laughs> fucking preach it. Well, because I knew I could go get a magazine that I could read with a bunch of articles that would show me a bunch of different games, and I would get a couple of different demos to play, and. Honestly, I got a lot of play. I, like, I mean, the first year that I had the console, I definitely played the shit out of a bunch of demo discs and got to try a bunch of different things. I didn't buy a lot of those games, but that's because I was a teenager and I didn't have any money. But like nowadays, in, in, in how different the consumption of games and the you know the way it works, and the fact that parents are much more willing to buy kids you know and and games for entertainment than they were when I was a kid. Uh, it is not crazy to think that you could download a demo, play it for a few minutes, and then be like, yeah, this game is dope. Hey, mom and dad, hey, hey, will you buy this game for me? And they will. Um, back to Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, though. What's really cool about this, and I know I harp on this a lot, but I stand by it, this is an affordable game. It's a $40 game, $45 with this DLC bundle. I was so relieved to see an affordable game as opposed to a $60 yeah. game, especially... Yeah. Because Nintendo's been releasing these like ports lately and charging full bang, and it's been kind of dumb. Yeah, Super Mario Wii U Deluxe, sixty dollar game, unnecessary. Uh, speaking of demos, so too the the uh, Damon X Machina demo is up and available right now. It's supposedly got four levels to play. And uh, they're going to be sending out emails randomly to people who download the demo and play it to try to get their feedback. And they're, they're really, they kind of stressed it in the Nintendo Direct. They want player feedback. They want to know what people think. So uh, Damon X Machina, for those who aren't aware, is a Japanese title that is a, a mech game uh, where you fight monsters and stuff. It looks really dope. It's got a pretty interesting visual style. Uh, I would say the animation and the art design is similar to Gravity Rush, if anybody's familiar with that series. Uh, with I, I don't know quite how to describe it artistically, but I am really excited for that game. It was one of the big things that came out of E3 that I was excited about. Phil and I were talking about it initially. Um, I'm definitely, I grabbed the demo. I'm going to play it. I'll know more about it for next week. I'll probably report back on it. Uh, super cool, and I'm glad that they released this demo. Uh, it seems like, and then, then their release date was, should be this summer, quote unquote, or something close to that. Like I'm paraphrasing a bit, basically saying we don't have a hard date and we want your feedback because we want to put out a good game. But, but that's the thing as well, because they said, if you don't get your survey, shout at them on Twitter. Yep. Like they, they are, when a game company says, I need as much feedback as possible, you take advantage of that because that that shows that the, it's it's more than just a fucking profit or a game for them. Yeah, 
it's a passion project and they want to put out the best possible game as possible. So absolutely, and it's 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 published by Nintendo. You know, this is <laughs> except for in Japan, but I mean, this is a new possibility that this could be a staple inside the Nintendo IP legacy could, through the publisher. Yeah, this could potentially be the next big franchise. Not, not we're not talking Link, Mario, all you know, Zelda, all that kind of stuff. I mean, like the next near, for example, like the f- or Splatoon. You know, Splatoon doesn't get the the due it's really deserved, but it was good enough to be carried from one pl- uh, console to the next, mm-hmm. and possibly with a third one being announced in June. So, yeah. it's not my game, but I Let hope go. it does well. Yeah, it, I I am super stoked for it. I I, I do think it's going to scratch yeah, the itch yeah. for your your near automata type fans, uh, your gravity rush type fans, people who are into the Japanese game scene. I think it could potentially blow up on that scene. Uh, Yoshi's Crafted World is coming March 29th, but we have a yeah. demo available today. Uh, yes! yes, that looks good. Oh, hey, that's that's some free entertainment for your kids, uh, and it will include adorable quote-unquote costumes that are just Yoshi wearing a cardboard box. So we're we're apparently getting unemployed Yoshi. Metal Gear Yoshi. <laughs> or Metal Gear Yoshi. <laughs> it's, it's, Metal Gear Yoshi is more unemployed would be just a barrel with suspenders <laughs> yeah. on it. But Donkey Kong's already done that, so. That's true. Also, some big news for two Final Fantasy ports for the Switch. This was really surprising. Final Fantasy IX is available on the eShop today. Now. And Final Fantasy VII, uh, not the remake, but the original game ported to the Switch, will be available on March 26th. Uh, no word at this time on any other potential Final Fantasy ports, but hey, that's two, uh, that's two big titles just appearing magically today. Well, one of them's appearing today. Nine is the one with uh, the Oro-looking wizard, right? Uh, Orko-looking wizard. I forget his actual name. Vivi, the black mage? Vivi, yeah. That's nine. Yes, yeah. Oh, man. That game. So, quick story. That game was uh, the the second one I ever beat. I beat eight first. It was the first one I ever really played and got into uh, for Final Fantasy and loved it. Nine... I just was eating away. I pre-ordered it. I got the Prima guide, right? And so I could find everything. I, my wife was working opposite uh, schedule. We were brand new married. I was working 24 on, on an ambulance and 48 off. She's working at nights at the hospital. So for eight hours a day, I had nothing to do but wait for her to come home. And I'm killing this game, playing this game. And I get to the end of it. And something happens. If you never play, I'm not going to tell you. But something happens that's epic at the end of that game. And I'm crying. I mean, I invested 40-plus hours of my life in this game. And I got tears. And my wife comes in from work going, what the fuck's wrong with you, you big pussy? You're crying at a video game. Like, shut up. Don't look at me. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. That's, <laughs> such a, that's such a heartwarming and hilarious story. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I love to hear that because um, mid-play of Mario Odyssey, um, the same thing happened to me where just – I was silent crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Suzanne just looks over at me and she's like, "Really? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you! Fuck you! Yeah. Don't, don't judge me, monkey." I, I might have to. I might have to pick that up. Charles, you know, did you never play seven? Mm, what describe seven for me, real quick? Cloud, Cloud, Sephiroth. If you don't know those names, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know the name. I played it. I never beat it. I played it some, but it was just kind of a taste getting into it. I, okay, at the time, I was very much a just a first-person shooter 
on rails thing. And it was a huge shift of gameplay for me. I wasn't understanding it. And there was no internet at the time, right? There was no community I could get a hold of. Right. It was I either your buddies played it or you didn't. So I just didn't understand it. But yes, I know Cloud Sephiroth, all this. But I didn't really play that much. Ooh, such a good game. I mean, uh, I'm not going to buy it on the Switch. I am. I, I am. Yeah, I am. I've I, bought I think it. I own it on three different platforms already. Yeah, so do oh, I. Yeah, so I, do I. I'm going to fucking buy it on Switch. And, and like I've said every fucking week on this goddamn show, Nintendo finds a way to have me rebuy games I've already bought. <laughs> I may get nine because I don't think I finished nine. But... I, Nine, nine is a decent game. I have issues with nine. Nine is a decent game. I have a big problem with Zidane, the main character. I, he annoys the fuck out of me. <laughs> and I hate Steiner as well, one of the other main characters. I just didn't like his design, this big dopey dude in this yeah. ridiculous metal armor. Um, because it, the issue I had with it is that the character design in seven and eight was so exceptional. Those characters were so cool. And then you get nine and it's like what <laughs> it's pikachu meme you know i was like what why why did we go back why are these guys like dopey it, it just kind of felt awkward um we're gonna move on but one of the big things that was absent since we're talking about square enix is there was no kingdom hearts 3 switch port announced no that might be be an e3 thing e3 uh, another thing that phil and i talked about being potential uh thing that could have come about it was a devil may cry port announcement that did not happen either um so you know maybe later this year we'll hear more about that because i would think that kingdom hearts has got to be ported like as soon as possible that has to be a pretty high priority for nintendo and square enix i just want to put in real quick um anybody who thought that we were going to get pokemon news or animal crossing news get fucked you're fucking ridiculously dumb i'm yeah. sorry do you not realize that E3 is like four months away? Yeah. So if you went into this thinking that you were going to get that or any kind of details, I said release date on, on Amazon, uh, Animal Crossing, but any other details, yeah, get fucked. Are you kidding? No. Uh, last thing I'll say is um, Castlevania. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which is really just so so bloodstain is the castlevania for the switch right now that's really what it is because uh konami is too much konami konami yeah yeah konami is too much of a pussy to fucking deal with nintendo there i said it fuck you um bloodstained is the castlevania for the switch and for them to announce ritual of the night i mean symphony of the night i mean ritual of the night (laughs) i cannot be more fucking hard looks can't be more hard so good like i couldn't stop coming like that's how great it was i was so fucking amped and that is my fucking pick of this entire direct wow now, you know, really yep i'm, I'm I, I i love mario maker and i can't wait to play it first party title <sighs> remake of a zelda game that i wish was linked to the past great you've got my money but to come out with a new bloodstain that looks like Symphony of the Night with, with fucking 3D World with a... Oh, God. Can't wait. Cannot wait. If it is $100, I'll buy seven of them. Wow. All right. Shit. Uh, I don't know. I had to step away for a moment. Did you talk about the Marvel game? 
We did not. Oh no, no. Oh fuck. No, we we, we all collectively have been looking forward to playing together. So on- Disney Sum Sum Festival in. I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on. Real talk. Real talk. Real talk. Real talk. I always watch the direct with my son, and when that came up, he was like, "Zoom, zoom." And I was like, "I'm sorry. What'd you say?" <laughs> He's like, "Zoom, zoom." I was like, "God, damn it!" Yeah, you're right. We're gonna play the shit out of that. Uh, it actually, no, it but- actually might be fun. I'll let you and my son play that together. No, Kurt. that's all right. I'm good. I'll wait for the review. I play with my son, Kurt. <laughs> yeah, they, they showed some of that. Uh, obviously, what we're talking about here is Marvel Avengers Alliance 3. Ultimate Alliance. Sorry. Not <laughs> nice. <laughs> Ultimate Alliance. Uh, motherfuckers be naming games too close to other game series. Yeah. Uh, Ultimate yeah. Alliance 3. We've been talking about it for months. Everybody over here that is a Marvel fan is stoked for this game. You know, some might say Kurt bought a switch just in anticipation of this game. <laughs> uh, you can look forward to us in some combination of ridiculousness, streaming the fuck out of this game when it comes out. I know I will be streaming it on my channel. I am positive. Phil will be streaming it on his. We'll probably do some duo streams as well. And I'm sure that we are I'll never cross the stream. They show, they show four people can play at one time. Never yeah. cross the streams. Well, that's uh, you, you don't cross them. You just line them up. Anyways, uh, that is they showed a little bit of gameplay. They showed Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel looks so crisp. Uh, the character model looks great. The attacks look great. I was stoked. Um, yeah, so super excited for that series. Now, hold on, Paul. When this first dropped, you were very, very shitty on it. No, I wasn't. I've always you were you were like eh, the graphics look like it came out of the Xbox 360 era. Yeah, but did, but, that, did, but did, did did what they showed to today kind of it looked like a step forward. Blank? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, it definitely looked a little bit more refined. Good, 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 good. Y'all and I agree. Um, I was sold back then, so I know you were kind of. Oh, I was yeah, going to buy this it. game regardless. I, I was going to buy it, but it looks like shit. But I'm going to buy it anyway. Well, I'll, I'll call that out. I mean, Kingdom Hearts three just blew up sales obviously a huge game one of the criticisms i've seen about that game from even people who love it is like they this game looks like a playstation 2 game like a slightly better playstation 2 game uh visually so like and the funny part is that it's been in development for 10 years so uh, you know it basically was uh other other stuff uh this is a a um indie series that is really it's popular among people who do reviews on stuff that shows up on the eShop. It usually always gets good reviews, uh, but it's not like a household name. But the uh, I Am Setsuna Lost Sphere series, uh, they're, they're not direct sequels to each other, but they're, they're spiritual successors. Uh, Onikon, or Oninaki, Onikami, uh, Oninaki, uh, that was in the, in the video. That game looks so fucking beautiful. Uh, it's basically... You have like a spirit world mode where you like you trans you walk around in the overworld, then you transition over to the spirit realm or whatever, and you choose a, I think a spirit persona. It seemed like that you're gonna inhabit their abilities and stuff. Visually, really stunning. Uh, a lot of use of colors for this title, and uh, from what I understand, the storyline of the other two games was really really interesting. Um, part part of it is that it deals with depression, but not in like a really 
not in a super like cheesy beating you over the head with the you know how do you get over depression type thing but more of like a the characters in the story are trying to overcome things that are bothering them and in doing so they're you know they're doing things that help you overcome bad stuff you know what i mean emotionally and I think that's a cool angle and I think that speaks to a lot of people. So I'm excited for that title. I can't wait to see it when it comes out. Uh, I will probably jump on that. Uh, Rune Factory 4 Special has been remastered for the Switch. Uh, It's not really on my radar, but it might be on yours. Oh, okay. When this came up on the Direct, if you were watching the stream, mouth agape on me for a solid 90 seconds at least where I just had this big (laughs) smile and my big dumb mug wide open starlink battle for atlas is getting more star fox related content and it's spring update you're going to be able to play as falco peppy and slippy and take on the members of star wolf in new battles in april it looked cool it looked very told you i told you i told you that they were not going to not support this game because ubisoft normally supports their game especially if it's uh, no, hold on real quick. I know this is a Nintendo Direct, but we don't know if this is going to any other console, right? This content will not be on the other consoles. Exactly, because this sold the most on the Switch. Well, the, it, it's also because it's Star Fox related content that won't. Oh, well, you're you're right. Fucking yeah, mm, cracking. <laughs> um, but yeah, shame on me. But yeah, I mean, I told you that they were going to support this mm-hmm. because it has a good base. And when they see a good product at Ubisoft, they normally don't let it die, no matter how bad the game is Assassin's Creed. It will continue to keep going on. Assassin's Creed 3 is coming to the Switch. But no, what Ubisoft does is they support their projects that they, they, they enjoy. Now, to that, to that note, Starlink is still going on sale for at least half off in a lot of retailers get out there and buy if you have a switch get out there and buy the switch version please 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 do yourself a huge favor and i'm going to tell you this if you're paying like 30 to 35 dollars for this game even if you never buy anything else you'll be in good shape you know what i mean uh it is worth it for the 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 price of admission alone just to get that awesome r-wing uh collectible the the ship itself so uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate will be getting a version 3.0 update this spring. No details on what it'll include. Uh, we do know that the Joker character from Persona is coming in April. Uh, a bunch of other release dates and announcements for Switch. Um, Marvel Alliance is coming out in the summertime. Bloodstained is coming out in summer. Uh, Dead by Daylight is coming in fall, so that'll be a port of a popular game uh, that's a horror-themed game. Grid Autosport this summer. That was a racing game. Uh, Which is surprising because racing games normally don't do well unless they got blue shells and bananas. <laughs> and we really haven't had a successful racing game on Nintendo since Cruising series came out for the N64. Yep. Uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice is coming this spring. Uh, it fucking looks great. Yep, it looks really sharp. Fucking, I want to be a female Viking <laughs> saving the soul of my fucking lost lover. That sounds awesome. And it looks fucking awesome. It almost gave me like a Shadow of Colossus feel. Yeah. Almost by like the art direction it was going. Yeah. It, it's, oh. I, I've I've heard that it's less of a like game in a traditional sense and more of an experience like a an engaging 
audio visual experience that you're, you're part of the story. Um, but I haven't played it myself yet, so I don't know exactly how that translates. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11 is coming on April 23rd. Unravel 2 is March 22nd, uh, which looks super adorable and interesting as well. Assassin's Creed 3 is uh, remastered, as Phil mentioned, May 21st. And Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon Everybody is March 20th. Oh, and the developers of Bayonetta 3 are reportedly hard at work. And the most important news before we transfer is I see Charles has been doing for 45 minutes. Uh, uh, Battle Royale Tetris. I was going to talk about that. You told me about it. Go ahead. Is now live. Is now free. That's right, free. And I got to 23 on my list. Um, nice. But it is. It's, it's a 99-player Tetris game. And you get to, you know, every time you make a, a any sort of a, a row, and especially a Tetris, you pick where you want your attacks to go, and you have to whittle down everybody as best as you can. Tetris ninety nine. I played about four games already. Um, it's I'm a Tetris nut. Uh, it's it's really my guilty pleasure. There was a, a period of my life where that's all I played for a month, and it really consumed my life. Um, so for them to come this out during the direct have it be free nonetheless have it be live now and like literally as soon as the direct ended it was live nice it's, it, it was great it was great and uh, I couldn't be more happy and I might just stream Tetris 99 <laughs> for the next fucking four months I haven't decided yet uh, uh, I've never going to get that from my wife she's a huge Tetris fan um, however, she hates to lose, which reminds me, I have a message to deliver you to you, Kurt, is your friends with her on Facebook and y'all play the Angry Birds with friends. Yeah, she's like, if you beat her one more fucking time, she's going to disown you and then stab <laughs> you like a bitch when you show up for Dragon God. Just, that's just me passing it off. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. We're always we're always bucking for the same position. Oh, it drives her crazy. So. She that's why I well, I quit playing, I didn't have time, but and me and her brother used to play as well and be in her league. And, and she, she would just, it would, she'd see that she'd be bumped down one and it just, she would play it. <laughs> bump it up, so. yeah. But I know we covered, we covered this direct, which was only 30 minutes for about 40. And, uh, <laughs> and we, we have left on a lot. And, and the best thing to do to recap on all that is just go over to twitch.tv slash soap, soapbox GSTU and watch Paul's video because it, it's really worth it. And uh, while you're there, just smash that follow because he's, he's fucking teetering. He's nine, 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 <laughs> ja, nine people away ah. from getting affiliated. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the last thing is just keep an eye on Apex. We don't have the time to go into it, but uh, Apex Legends came out, right? And over the first big weekend, they hit 25 million users. And I know, I, not in this article, but another article I saw show, said that uh, at one point over the weekend, 600,000 people were playing simultaneously. Uh, I, I, is number one on Twitch. Yep. Number yep. one on Twitch. I mean, uh, the, the gentleman I watched on Monday had 55,000 people in his one fucking Oh, so you watch Shroud. I, I don't know. He, I don't he's, know. He's the top Apex streamer. He he's a former uh, CS:GO uh, competitive player, and yeah, it, I've seen it every time I go on and he's streaming. He's got 50k people. That he has 50,000 people watching him play this game at once. That 
That is bigger than a hockey arena. That is bigger than a basketball arena. That is rivaling some fucking baseball arena. That's rivaling the Super Bowl here in Atlanta where we had 80, you could fit 83,000 people in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And to, to give some perspective right now, uh, on Twitch, it's 10 o'clock on a Wednesday. Apex Legends has over 305,000 viewers. League of Legends has just shy of 90,000 viewers, and Fortnite is down to 71.6 thousand viewers. That's probably because all the Fortnite kids are in bed for school. Well, at least <laughs> are. I, I'm not, listen, I'm not shitting on anybody who likes Fortnite, but a huge part of Fortnite's success has been that it strongly appeals to a young crowd. And, oh, yes. And teens and preteens can play this game. Apex is, if you're into the concept of Battle Royale and you were disappointed by PUBG when that was breaking out on the scene and you just didn't like the way that game went, Fortnite didn't appeal to you because of the visual style and the way it's played and the fact that it's filled with children, Apex Legends might just be the game for you. Uh, We'll dig into it more next week, but it's a more mature, a little more serious game, uh, a little more competitive game, arguably. And it's set in the Titanfall world. So that is a super cool little detail that uh, was pretty exciting. Yeah. Might have to get that on PlayStation and see what it can do. It's free, so you might as well. I had a lot of fun with playing it some this week. He gave up yeah, his Fortnite addiction to play Apex Legends a little bit. But with that being said, we're going to jump out of here tonight. Uh, Kurt, I would say thank you for being on, but you rickrolled me, so you're a dick. But where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on the FTH Beyond channel on Monday evenings on Twitch. And on Sunday evenings on Twitch, doing something that's not Marvel Strike Force, whatever that happens to be. <laughs> and on Thursday evenings on Twitch, doing the Marvel Strike Force podcast. And on Twitter and Facebook at VO by Kurt. Clots. You can find me on Twitter at SoapboxGSTU. You can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash SoapboxGSTU. Please go smash that follow button. I'm so super, super, super close to affiliate. And come hang out on the stream. Uh, Really, really would love to hear you chime in and chat and interact with me while I'm on stream. And yeah, I, I've got some exciting stuff planned in the future. I got some ideas, so stay in touch. Phil. I have deleted all my social media, and the only place you can find me is over at twitch.tv slash soapboxgstu. <laughs> if you want to interact with me, that is the only place you can find me. Twitch.tv slash SoapboxGSU. What about you, Charles? Where can people find you? I just do a whole bunch of shit randomly. Good luck finding it. That's all I can tell you. Rock up podcasting across all platforms. Um, and you can find me sinking ships and pissing people off on Sunday nights with this crew and uh, Dennis Robinson on who the fuck knows what we're going to call it. But we drink, we have fun, and we fuck some shit up. So there is all of that. Uh, that's going to be it for tonight. Of course, you can email us, uh, btp at giantsizeteamup.com. You hit the merch at uh, – have you fixed the tiny CC yet? Yes. No. I, I, have we have? Okay. My understanding uh, is it is fixed. The one who usually fixes it is giving weird faces, so I don't know. But I'll go ahead and give it out. Tiny.cc forward slash capital G, capital S, capital T, capital U. Normally, it doesn't matter if you capitalize it, but on T public, or on Tiny CC rather, it matters. So it's all capitals, GSTU, 
and you can yeah i'm getting a thumbs up that it works so you can go and get some awesome shirts mugs all kind of cool stuff and we have kid sizes and all that stuff too and they're on sale they're on sale yeah it's uh by the time we publish this though it's it's the valentine's midweek sale thing so it's hard for us to promote it fuck you podcast listeners said by kurt boutine (laughs) (laughs) all right uh, we'll be back next week with more shenanigans and awesome stuff so thanks for listening we'll catch you again Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team-Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com.